0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. I, of course, am your host, Mike Burge, hostess with the mostest over here. Uh, Overdrinkers is a show where uh, I get together with a couple friends or a friend over a couple drinks or a drink, usually a couple. And uh today uh, is a very special episode uh it took a lot of planning to to get this one together we are covering uh many movies uh none of which are really connected per se we're covering the the man with no name trilogy or the dollars trilogy as it's called the Sergio Leone western starring Clint Eastwood uh a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and the good the bad and the ugly um we are also covering the Akira Kurosawa film Yojimbo uh which uh A Fistful of Dollars is um, heavily ripping off. And then we are also uh, going to cover, at the end of it all, um, Clint Eastwood's eventual uh, early 90s uh, love letter to the Westerns that like taught him everything he knows about acting and directing uh, Unforgiven. And uh, so to get together for this one, uh, I thought that I would invite another uh, Western fan, of the, uh, of especially of the uh, Sergio Leone uh, movies, uh, I got my good old buddy, uh, Tim Irwin. Hello.
1: I'm very happy to be here. This was the episode I wanted to do when I first heard about
0: story Screen. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we've been talking about doing the Spaghetti Western idea and it kind of morphed into this where it was like, well, let's do the main three. Yeah. But then I also like, I've Unforgiven is like super interesting to right. me. You know, we just watched that. We watched all the films separately over the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. got together today, got some pizza, watched Unforgiven, yeah. and now we're sitting down to talk about it. And of course, Yojimbo 2 is just like one of the greatest movies ever made as well. Yeah, to start it off. Um, and so, uh, of course, on Overdrinkers, as always, we are partaking of a themed beverage, and today we are drinking some Japanese whiskey, uh, which is uh, Yamazaki. And it is a single malt uh Japanese style whiskey. It's got a little smoky scotch taste to it, so uh you buddy It's got a bite yeah, refreshing though yeah that's not Tasty. bad.
1: Tasty. I like the ice cube in there that's nice the the yeah. the
0: ice cube balances it out. We also got some more some a uh, nice little, little glass more. of wawa right yeah, here next right. to it just in case that little that little sting little is too, too much to take. Yeah. Uh, so we got a long episode here. We're going to try and get it, uh, you know, done as fast as possible uh, since we're dealing with five movies overall. But, you know, I think we're going to give them all their their due Um, and like just kind of kicking it off, like uh, set the stage, Tim. Why don't you tell me what was so interesting about, you know, Spaghetti Westerns and why was that like the first thing that popped into your head that that was an episode that you wanted to do?
1: You know, you just, you can't beat the Clint Squint. You can't... <laughs> uh... You can't beat the music. I mean, those movies. I think the Good, the Mad, the Ugly specifically was the first movie that ever really like blew my face off in terms of uh, the music and the directing, all the shots. And then you have the the lead who just puts down such a, a classic, cool performance. Um, so that movie's always stuck with me. That's probably my favorite movie of all time. The um, lead, uh, Eli Wallach, or yeah, the, the lead yeah. Eli Wallach, yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, uh, team he's, the he's the yeah. lead of that movie. Yeah, I don't care. He is. That's true. Um, but yeah, that movie has always stuck with me as just an amazing journey, uh, from start to finish and to be capped off with probably the best ending of all, all cinema in my, my opinion. Great, great uh, ending. It's yeah, it's just one I always want to talk about.
0: always want to show people. Good, the bad and the ugly is like, uh. A- a masterpiece it's like kind of an inarguable epic uh we were talking very briefly uh the other day just about as we were rewatching them all and you know i i watched these movies a lot when i was a kid um i've actually probably seen the good the bad and the ugly the least which is i think uh, different yeah i think uh most people say like that's the one that they watch the most that's the one they catch on tv the most Mm -hmm. and i always really dug um Like, uh, like the quaint smallness of A Fistful of Dollars. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would have to say, like, I think for a few dollars more is probably my favorite one. Okay. Just because I like a good old, like, down to earth revenge story. I like how uh, the same in like the good, the bad and the ugly for a few dollars more is kind of like, you know, the tale of these three characters. One's the bad guy, one's a a mystery and one's the good guy. Yeah. And it's kind of a lot like that. Uh, it's really, it's, it, they're not really connected in the sense that, you know, it's the same. Ca- Clint Eastwood isn't playing the same character, but there's all these like little tiny connections like, that. Is he?
1: Could he Yeah, be? that
0: Leone is kind of doing more like, like, kind of like a wink and like, you yeah. Know, one of the biggest ones that I noticed finally watching at this time is that, you know, Clint Eastwood has two whole, his character. Joe, so to speak, yeah, in the Joe, first one. Yeah, Joe
1: Monko uh, is the second. And name, Blondie, the second one. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then, these are just things people call him. Yeah. He never says that that's his name. No. The dude just calls him Joe. The great the grave hey, digger just calls him Joe yeah. at the end. Um, he's got two holes in his hat and the fistful of dollars. Okay. Two bullet holes in his hat, and in the second for in a few dollars more, he's got the same two holes in the hat, but they're sewed up. But they're not the same character, right? And in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, he finds the poncho. He doesn't he wear the, the poncho. He gets the poncho, the, time, the hat, the, the vest. The he gets yeah. all that. He gets his getup. Right at the end of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, that would and also like it takes place beforehand. There's all these like weird things. Right. So in the same way, Unforgiven, like the guy's name is William Money. They're not right the same person. It's not an older version of it's one a, of his characters. A spiritual successor. Yeah, right? it's a love letter in the yeah. same way that in the same way that. Each of the following two sequels to Fistful were spiritual successors right. to the previous one. It's That's like they're not really the same. In, in, yeah. If you're really going literal for the the third one. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Yojimbo has nothing to do with them except that like it, it really, Akira Kurosawa kind of really took out, like took like the American Westerns at the time, like John Ford movies and stuff like that and kind of. Attributed to, like, a samurai Japanese setting. Which was also equally lawless in a lot of places with roving badasses basically going around. Pretty much the same kind of idea of, like... Well, it's kind of like a lawless land, like yeah. you said, and then there's a one person just kind of going through yeah. it and then goes into this town and decides to just fuck around with people. Right, basically. Yeah, which, you know, like he's way more like manipulative and kind of like cruel yes. in Yojimbo, like yeah. that character. He really doesn't care. But in like uh, the in, in Fistful, Clint's is more just kind of like opportunist. You right. know, he's just kind of like, oh, maybe there's some money to make here. Yeah, I mean, what's that? The
1: quote in uh, in Yo Jimbo that I have is uh, when he goes like, "I get paid for killing, and this
0: town is full of men who deserve to die." Oh, it's mm-hmm. amazing! Yeah, it's just like a win win kind of yeah. situation. It's like serendipitous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love westerns too, just in general. Like uh, I think uh, we were talking about Red Dead Redemption, uh, the video game mm-hmm. is just like a really great kind of love letter to westerns and spaghetti westerns and American westerns and all that stuff. Absolutely. Which uh, interesting enough, they used to call. Uh, spaghetti westerns were not called spaghetti westerns in japan uh they called them something else like i think they like macaroni westerns and uh they and westerns that were made in uh japan of like the western style were called ramen westerns oh there's a lot of where did the like the the noodle thing come in like where's this pasta coming from Italy I mean that's just Spaghetti right. Western was the first one And all the other ones Grew off of that I think
1: so Yeah you did That set the gag And then everybody was like Let me let me add to the meme Of I get Well because
0: Yojimbo Technically started before The Spaghetti Western Oh
1: right But well did they call Yojimbo A ramen Western before I
0: don't think so Yeah Yeah it's weird So Pasta, Pasta. Who'd have known Pasta and Westerns Um Love Westerns, Uh, you know, like another one I was talking to you about, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford uh, is a recent one that's kind of does the same thing to Westerns that like Unforgiven did in the 90s. Kind of this retro proto commentary on what Westerns are. It is as glamorous. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of commenting on like the mystification of the old West and everything. Um, another really good one is The Proposition, which I had mentioned to you, but, uh, I, I didn't do it in time for you to be able to catch it. That's yeah, a it great, a great Australian week. Western. Um, I also love, like, The Outlaw Josie Wales, Pale Rider, Ride Hang 'em High, like, uh, and all, like, the old, like, John Huston and John Ford stuff, like, those are all, A lot of fucking fun, you know, like Rio Bravo to this day is like one of my favorite movies to watch. And you can't get the spaghetti westerns without having
1: the classic, like corny, quote unquote, westerns for the spaghetti westerns to come in and throw some edge on them.
0: Right. I mean, I think that's why spaghetti westerns are so like beloved. It's like it's kind of taking this like really well-known, beloved genre of American film. And just kind of really throwing some, like, new attitude into it. This ain't your daddy's western. No. Man. I mean, it's like, and you see, like, it's it's very uh, exploitative. And it's, you can see why Quentin Tarantino, as, like, an example, like, directors go to this type of, like, this style and this, like, way of editing and this way of shooting and this way of, like, discussing very a exciting. story. It's exciting and it's different. And it's like, it, he owns it. Tarantino specifically just owns, like, the exploitative nature of something like, you know, exploitation films or spaghetti westerns and stuff right. like that. Like yeah. it just it looks and feels cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the soundtrack, you know, builds
1: with you, all the shots give you the tension. Oh yeah, Ennio yeah.
0: Morricone yeah. doing uh like he's he's Tarantino has used Morricone's uh music in a lot of his volume movies, especially, especially Kill Bill. Yeah, yep. yep. volume then, uh, I mean
1: volume one's the the send up to martial arts movies, volume right. two is a send up to Westerns. Yep
0: even though volume two is the one that's got like the most martial arts kind of right. thing to it which is like the the training montage correct but it's true. it's shot like a western right right yeah those are great movies yeah man. like that is a those are movies that can so easily go over somebody's head, like not even trying to be pretentious about it. Like, those are movies where it's like, if you're not in on every single thing is being done on purpose. It's a reference. Yeah. yeah it's like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. Why yeah. is there
1: so much blood on the dance floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I,
0: right. I, when I first saw Kill Bill when it first came out, like, I hadn't seen nearly as many money movies ever, as I've seen now. And it's like, as I watch movies, I'll notice like a song or a shot. I'll be right. like, oh, that's from Kill oh, Bill. Or, well, it. no, I guess it's from this. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Westerns, super crazy, good genre. It's probably my second favorite, next to noir. And they're very similar yeah. in that of like very cookie cutter three act kind of thing. Got a, a you know a, a
1: pro a tough protagonist who mm-hmm. maybe has some secrets, Ooh. Mm. mystery,
0: yeah, intrigue. They intrigue, call it. Yeah. Uh, so a fistful of dollars. Fistful. Uh, 1964. Made three years after Yojimbo, okay. which was 61. Yep. Uh, Sergio Leone, who at the time I think was going by the directorial name Bob Robertson, I did not know that. That's believe it. Uh, gets uh, wants to steal this idea, so <laughs> writes a script. Um, which, of course, too, we've talked about. Uh, the, uh, what's it, what's the name of the, the the book that? Dashiell Hammett is the author. The uh,
1: Red Harvest. Red Harvest was, was kind of
0: a thing, it. like a noir book, like yep. a mystery book
1: about uh, like a. Pinkerton boy, but there was like the Continental Detective Agency. Uh, and the guy's name, the main character of those novels, was the Continental Op. Nobody ever calls him by his name, so mm-hmm. just like Tashira Mufune doesn't have a name, and Clint
0: Eastwood doesn't have a name. Mm-hmm. So, and and that was like kind of like Yojimbo. When I when Akira Kurosawa saw Fistful of Dollars, he was like, he wrote a letter to Sergio Leone and was like, it is a fine film but it is my film <laughs> and it's like, Ooh, very nice. And there was some legal battle. They settled it outside yeah, because, because they did get money from the proceeds. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and eventually now they're on the credits and oh. stuff like that. You get like a, they're not, I don't think they were ever edited into the actual film itself, but when you buy it, it's on the back. When you all look right. on IMDB, it says uncredited story. Uh, all the people that were involved in writing Yojimbo, um, but they kind of got a little flack for that because Red Harvest was like very similar, and yeah. I think uh, what is it like? Uh, it's like Man with Man with Two Masters or something like that is like a, an Italian 18th century play, oh. and Sergio Leone uh, lied and tried to say that that's what he based it on. Like, look, this <laughs> movie weird. is based on Yojimbo, Sergio. Right. Like, let's fucking like shot gun- for shot
1: in a lot like of like in a lot
0: of spots. I I watched uh, I watched Fistful. And then I watched for a few dollars more, then I watched Yojimbo. And when I watched Yojimbo, I was like, Oh, I need to watch Fistful okay. like for this rewatch. Yeah. I was and I watched Yojimbo and Fistful back to back. And it, like if you've got the four hours to that's, burn for that, right, as well. it's really cool watching them directly back to back. Cause you notice and pick up on all like the little mannerisms that Clint yeah, has right. obviously taken. Yeah. You know, he's gone on record in interviews and stuff and said like he's like, Oh, when I got the script I saw, I was like, Oh, this is Yojimbo. And he's like, I love Yojimbo, and I love those actors, and Akira Kosawa is a great director, and I really wanted to do this. And I was like, okay, so first off, you knew it was Yojimbo immediately, even though Yojimbo had only been out for about two years in Japan. Right. And Okay, sure, I'll go young with Young Clint is out here watching Japanese cinema, I mean, I guess. I mean, maybe, maybe. yeah, who knows? Uh, I mean, he was pretty good on Rawhide, so, I don't know. But, um... It's it, it's kind of interesting because he does take a lot of the mannerisms and stuff that uh, the the man with no name in Yojimbo does. Yeah. I think his name is actually Sanjuro. He's named in the sequel. Oh, is he? Okay. Well, because Sanjuro he... means um, thirty oh. because when he when they ask him his name, he looks out at like a a daisy thirty yeah, year
1: old plum field plum prairie yeah.
0: thing. Yeah, and he's like, so Sanjuro is one. Of, it means thirty, I believe. Okay. And so that's what they kind of call him. That's the name of the sequel, which has nothing to do with for a few dollars more or anything else. Yeah. There's no connection. I think that one's like, he goes into a town where there's like seven other samurai who aren't as talented as him. And he kind of riles them together. So like seven samurai. No, not like, 7 they're more like dim witted and it's more like a Rocky kind of thing. Uh, I haven't seen that one uh, since film school, like almost like over 10 years ago. So I don't know. I can't, I cannot recall. Got it. But uh, Yojimbo, very good movie. Yes. And Fistful of Dollars, very good movie. Yes. Two very different movies, surprisingly, for how similar they are in plot. Yeah. And, and even, even set, they're very similar. Oh, yeah.
1: You know, but they do take very different tacks. Yeah. You know, uh, Yojimbo is almost restrained in a lot of areas.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Masterful, some yeah. would say. And there's more of an attitude, right, to, like, what Leone's doing. Right, Leone
1: blows it up. Literally, like, at the end, Clint would throws dynamite for no reason. What does he do the dynamite for? He just, <laughs> just walks to get in their and attention. exploding dynamite. Like, and that's just a classic, like, drama of Leone just needing to blow everything, putting everything up to
0: 10. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, there really is, like, with the setting, there really is only one way to, like, the, the situation is stranger comes to town. In the middle. In the middle. And there's, like, two warring gangs in town, in both Yojimbo and Fistful. Yep. Left side, right side. And um, I believe in uh, in Yojimbo, it's one produces silk, one produces sake. Correct. And in Fistful, it's one produces liquor, one produces guns. Correct. Or buys them and yeah. distributes them and stuff. And uh, he, our man with no name kind of comes in and is greeted by a... But goes to the bartender yeah. neutral party neutral party who works in tandem with the coffin maker yeah like come on like these are the same come on what are you doing <laughs> there's even like the same dude that pops out and he's just like hey hello like there's the no crazy way to guy. argue that this isn't Yojimbo. Yeah. it would be insane if like he had didn't know if like you could prove that leone didn't know that Yojimbo. would you say i just it just came to me in a dream right yeah. like it'd be nuts um And then, uh, he, he figures out like all the drama and stuff that's going on. And so he decides to like be a little stinker. Yeah. And just kind of start fucking around with everything. Yeah. To make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: it's interesting because we don't really have any explanation as to why Clint Eastwood needs money. No. Well, I mean, he's just, he just wants it. But it's not like, yeah, he's, he, he's he being a little brat. He doesn't have like a set goal where he, you know not see like he doesn't have a gambling problem, and he needs to have money for his gambling or other vices. He's not like publicly saying, "I would love to live the high life." It looks like Clint Eastwood looks like he's good living in a tent in the
0: scrub. Mm-hmm. So why does he need twenty thousand dollars? I mean, yeah, he does say he's just like a lot of money to be made here yeah. or something What's like that. What's he doing with it? I don't know. Yeah, he I always, he's uh, helping people escape. I, I guess, guess so, yeah. Prisoners and stuff. I mean, that's, I like how in Yojimbo, because he eventually, uh, there's a woman that's been kidnapped from a farmer who lives just outside of town. And uh, the woman's been kidnapped by the gang and is being like, or like kind of traded, like instead of killing him for a gambling problem. Right. Well, so in Yojimbo, it's like the guy actually lost
1: gambling and so he took his wife as collateral. But in In Fistful, the guy just liked his wife and made up the gambling thing and forced him into it. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so it's like that's this that's kind of the turning point in both the movies where it's like you get halfway through and it's just the man with no name fucking with these two gangs and pitting them against each other. Triple crosses. When, quadruple crosses. When he sees there's an innocent party involved, he he grows a heart and he you know. out of nowhere too. Like it's a, like really shocking when it happens in Yojimbo. When you're like, "What's he doing?" And he goes, "He's like, I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna go over to where they're keeping the girl." Yeah. And you're like, "What's he gonna do over there?" And then he just kills everybody. Yeah. And then like sets it up and makes it look like somebody else did it. And then like lets them go. And it really kind of comes out of nowhere because we're not given any before that, we're not really given any instinct that he's like a good guy.
1: I thought he, I thought he sees the kid. Doesn't he? There's something that there is a little scene where he sees somebody, either the husband being really sad. Well, that's when it really starts. It's like, he
0: sees the kid comes in and he's like, mama, mama, where is mama? Only in Japanese. And, uh, and um, then sees the dad and like they want to look and watch as like they're trading them. Yeah. Because one side like kidnaps the, Well, he kidnaps them and like turns them over to everybody. And so they need to let everybody go. And it's kind of the same thing in Fistful as well. It's, you know, the little kid like, I want to see her. Yeah, the dub. I want you said so I could see her. With the dub on that being just a little over the top. Yeah. I mean, the dubs in these, like we just watched the movie The Wolfman last night yeah. at a story screen screening. That movie was made in 1941. The movie was made over 20 years before this one. And the audio is crisp. It looks great. It's like, I understand that they were filming with Italian actors for the most part and then dubbing over. But it's like, you couldn't try and get maybe Italian actors who at least had some semblance of like what to do with their mouth when they're saying certain things. But it also kind of adds to the charm of it. And I think that. I think that it does get less and less as the, as the movies go on, as Leone gets more of a budget and everything Yeah, by the time you get to the, to good, bad, and the ugly, it's- And he's also hiring more English-speaking actors Mm -hmm. as well, like, very obviously. Correct, yeah. You get that, you get that, like, Civil War philosophizer. Yeah, they want the bridge and we want the bridge too. (laughs) Yeah, come on, let's get, that's, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, like that's, that, that's very similar in both of them. And that's really the turning point in Fistful and Yojimbo when he saves that family. It's like in Yojimbo, like the letter shows up. Yeah. And, and that's when, when he gives himself
1: up mm-hmm. and he gets caught by the, uh,
0: by the, the real bad guys
1: mm-hmm. who will burn down the house of their, their, compa- the compatriots and, uh, their, their, their rivals and, mm-hmm. uh, and then massacre them as they come out. So they reveal themselves to be the real bad guys and our hero, uh, you know, becomes the true protagonist.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the same thing kinda happens with a Fistful as well. Yeah. Where it's like uh only in that it's not really they it's that the bad guy, the main bad guy of the Rojos, is so smart. Yeah, like he like, knows he, he, like he like sneaks into his room he doubles back. Doubles back when they go out to like uh go like check and see what happened. And he's just like uh come and check on you. Yeah, yeah. Ramon, yeah. Ramon, yeah. yeah, who's also in for a few dollars more as Correct. the bad guy. Indio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Great, character, great actor, too. Like, he's yeah. fantastic in both of them. Just crazy eyes. It's nuts how, like, they can take these actors and, like... Because Von Cleef is also in... Which further adds to the confusion of all of it. Yeah, and he looks it? exactly the same. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. like... he's. Do, I feel like in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly at that point, he's, like, doing some 1966 version of trolling, where he's just like... <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah. a bad guy now. Yeah, yeah. it's like, now he's a bad guy, and he's, like, a really bad dude. I, I sort
1: of... He's, he's like playing with toys the whole time, Leona. He's got his, his Clint Eastwood figurine and he's got his Lee Van Cleef figurine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this day, like today, Lee's a good guy. And then, you know, tomorrow when I play, I'll make Lee the bad guy. He just shakes up the toy
0: box every time and puts him out differently. Mm-hmm. I always wondered what it would be like if the guy that played, um, you know, Ramon yeah. was uh, the ugly. Oh, you know, wow. And, like, y- you- he's too competent. He's too competent. And you don't know, like, does that actor kind of have that that certain sensibility in them, those chops to be able to hone in on a character like that? And also, too, it's just like, Eli Wallach is just Yeah, and you feel bad amazing. for Eli Wallach. Yeah, you, you I don't do. think you could feel bad for Ramon. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to that when, when we start yeah. discussing Good, the Bad, and the Ugly more specifically. But, like, that performance in that movie, every time I watch it, just really blows me away how he overshadows – von cleef and eastwood like he just blows them out of the water really does um but yeah so in your opinion yojimbo or fistful like what's i gotta go with fistful
1: because um you know all right so yojimbo they have the guy so i watched fistful first and this was the first time i'd ever seen yojimbo when i watched it for the show
0: oh nice yeah
1: that's a good movie yeah and so going back to it you see the main bad guy samurai with his pistol the whole time. Uh And he's so stoked to have this pistol and he's always shooting people. And knowing that in Fistful, Clint Eastwood defeats the shooter guy by wearing body armor. Uh Mm-hmm. I was anticipating...
0: Oh, yeah, you would. You yeah, would do that. I was like, right. oh,
1: so, like, you know, did he? is he going to get shot and ping <laughs> How off? How much
0: did Leone steal from this? Right, exactly. He and came then, up with
1: that. He got yeah, that. Right, and that's the best twist at the end of that movie is that Clint has figured out this ingenious way to stop the the Winchester. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so that was, I was pleasantly surprised. I was also disappointed. I was like, oh, I was really hoping to see Toshiro Bufune get shot in the chest a few times and then kill this guy, but, no, he just... Just in, like, two
0: seconds kills, like, the whole whole gang of samurais. It's really cool how yeah. fast he moves in that. Like, for, like, a movie in 1961, like, over 50 years ago, the cinematography in Yojimbo is just jaw-dropping. It looks so nice. I got this new, like, a, a Blu-ray release of it to, like, watch it. It's just, like, it at like the Criterion, it yeah. looks so good. And it's shot so well. And that's, like, you know, so is Fistful. But... It shot differently, yeah. well, in a different way. It's like Leone took the visuals that this, like, master of cinema, Akira Kurosawa, these visuals that he perfected, Leone kind of took them, like, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, what's the word? Like a, like a, like a hormone fueled teenager <laughs> and just like shot electricity into yeah. it. Yeah. And like, they're still kind of the same shots, but they just Just have this color and this, this vibration to them. And like, you know, he, he only could really use, um, wide, wide and close, uh, lenses because like everything else was like too expensive or too hard to use with light and everything like that. So everything is either super wide or super close and slowly, you know, as he got more money and was able to use more lenses, you can see the look of good, the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. looks way more pristine and professional yeah. than fistful. Right. It's Cause he got more money to be able to get more shit. But in that first one, he really kind of honed in the skill and the style that he got used for because of the limitations right. that were on him. And it's, it's a lot like Kevin Smith in that way where it's like Kevin Smith is known for the limitations that he had when he made things like clerks and chasing Amy. But now he has all the money in the world and he's kind of lost the the, the, the the sweetness that people went to his movies for because now he's got too much
1: to do. Which is the same same argument that everyone always has with practical versus uh, you know, uh CGI. Mm. You know, when you have the whole toolbox available to you, you don't know where to start. But if you have to use just your physicality and and use tricks and stuff, it makes you a better more creative person to use those. Totally. Yeah. Um what was I going to say about Fistful? I had a... Uh, well,
0: I had asked you about Yojimbo Fistful, which one you like. You like Fistful, and you were talking about, it, you were watching Yojimbo yeah. for the first time. Well, you thought it was going to have the armor thing. Well, so Kurosawa, I'm always impressed between
1: this and Seven Samurai in that no, there's very little blood. In Yojimbo, there are a couple
0: scenes where like people get splatted. Seven Samurai, another ripoff. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Magnificent Seven. seven. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Um, I think they were nice about that one. Though. Yeah. I think they were like, we did that. <laughs> Maybe not.
1: Um... But there, so, like, nobody – very few people are actually, like, visibly being hurt by the swords. It's just all miming and people falling over. Sound effects. Yeah, but being very affected in, like, at least two scenes where, like, you know, they're crawling out of the burning building and this mob of dudes just hacks them to death. And you don't see
0: anything, but I was like, ugh. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. The sound effect is so different, too, because back then – It's like now when you hear like a slicing of a sword, it's like a shink, shink, thwink. Yeah. In this, it's like an axe hitting a log. Yeah, it's It's like thud. Thud. Because it's like, that's what, swords are very funny to me, if we can talk about swords. Let's talk about swords. Swords are gigantic pieces of metal that are sharpened so that you can try and hit people with them. Yeah. It's that's crazy that somebody came up with that. I know it's like normal and it's there. I think a lot of things are crazy. Like yeah. I was thinking about doorknobs the other day, just like <laughs> who fucking thought of that? Like, ugh. I don't know. But swords have always really interested me because like guns are so interesting simple. too, but like guns, like at the end of the day, they're just small cannons Yeah, and cannons make sense. Yeah, Like cannons are just like, Oh shoot that thing. That's over there. So that it can't get close enough to hurt us if it doesn't have one of these. To
1: go from a spear, a pointy thing, to like a hand axe, like a a sharp kind of thing, to like a long piece of metal. you got to
0: make it long and it's sharp on both sides. It's pointy at the end. Uh, It's got a little thing so that like if they've also got a sharp thing, like it can't get to your hands. Like it's very well put together tool, but it's very odd to me like it's just like okay now try and hit the other person with it and I think in movies like the desensitization of sword fights where it's like they're constantly hitting swords back and forth yeah. like it's it's this big Which, fight in Akira Kurosawa films it's usually not like that it's over like yeah, that because like it, it's and one two
1: a Japanese sword has a very brittle blade because it's very hard you can't do things like hit two edges together because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll shatter and chip mm-hmm. you gotta slide yeah and, <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta dodge, and it's it's over in a second. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean,
0: that's uh, I can't remember which one is it, Rush or maybe it is Seven Samurai that that happens in. Um, there's like just like the build up to these like this guy fighting a guy on a farm, and they're like about to duel, and it's this big build up like Leone style, like yeah. it's just time and time and time, and then it's just over. Yeah, and like like the build up to the scene, not even just the exposition before. Like, why are they fighting? It's just like when they st- when they get in the field and they're about to fight. Like the build up has to be at least three minutes long, and then the thing is over in less than five seconds. Less than yeah. three seconds. Like that's, it's and then we go good, bad, and the ugly. You know. Hmm.
1: Um. What other? I mean, you can't be the ending of Fistful in that. Like, even that's his first movie and. That's when you start seeing those shots, those wide shots oh, yeah. with like the. You got um, Ramon there, and you got like these five guys, the most perfectly spaced out, blocking, jaunty angle possible. It's the just m- like the, the best. Motherfucker, shot. I'm
0: glad you meant the yeah. motherfucker knows how to block from day one. Like yeah. He knows exactly where to put everybody to make your eye fall on a certain thing and feel a certain way. You'd be like, this is cool. Wow. Look it's at this. They're, cool. they're not doing
1: anything, they're just standing there menacingly, and like the is, only was a cool, a, coo- shot. Look, a
0: cool guy. Yeah. I told you before, like he turned down the Godfather just cause he was nah. Although I think a lot of people turned down the Godfather. Yeah. I don't think anybody really wanted to do it. And I think, uh, I think Coppola ended up just doing it for the sake of just like, well, maybe this will help my career and I can go and do more. Like I, he never would have been able to make apocalypse now the right. way that he made it. If it wasn't for the Godfathers. Right. Coppola, Dementia 13. That's a great movie. All right. Made for, I found this out the other day, made for $3,000 in one week. Wow. Because <laughs> it was like leftover. It was a set in an old castle. They were shooting something, and I think it was uh, Roger Corman, the producer, was like, hey, we got $3,000 left over and a week left in the rental on this castle. You know anybody that's got a movie? And like, little young Coppola was like, Dementia start. 13. I it's fucking stupid. Boom. Coppola, there he is. There he is. And if it wasn't for that, that that wrapping up and early, we probably never would have gotten lost in translation. Wow. How about that? Think about that. Think about it. If it wasn't for, I mean, if Coppola did lose his mind in Apocalypse Now, and like, I guess maybe he probably had Sophia by then, in the 80s? How old's Sophia Coppola? Yeah, she's older than me. Yeah, she was alive already. Yeah, we would have been fine. Have you ever heard the story of Coppola and the, have you ever seen Hearts of Darkness? No. The documentary on the mi- I, know, <laughs> I know. It's my dream uh double screening that I want to do Hearts of Darkness and uh, The Burden of Dreams, which is the Fitzgeraldo Werner Herzog Klaus Kinski documentary about them almost killing each other on the set of Fitzgeraldo. Okay. Uh and in Hearts of Darkness like there's a scene where He's trying to write Apocalypse Now and finish it up and he's like S- somewhere in some country, I th- probably Vietnam, and he like throws his Oscar like out the window. That's hilarious. And he's just like, and, like and then somebody has to go get it because it's Coppola's Oscar for the Godfather. <laughs> PA, go get the Oscar. I love Coppola. I love stories like that. You should you should check out uh, Easy Riders, Raging Bull, which I bring up a lot on the podcast. Okay. But it's a uh, it's just a bunch of people who were just alive during like the '50s, '60s, and '70s film new cinema movement, and they just have all these stories. And Dennis Hopper keeps popping up like a fucking ghoul, like he's like the boogeyman. It's like you're reading a, a story about Jack Nicholson having dinner with Robert Redford, and then all of a sudden Dennis Hopper shows up, and you're like, uh oh. And he like tries to stab the waiter or something. Like he does all this crazy (laughs) shit. Um, none of those people are in these, are in these movies though.
1: That's okay.
0: Yeah. I'm sure they were asked at some point. Uh, Fistful of Dollars, Electric, that ending shot, like you said, like what they both have great endings, these movies. They do. The, 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 the one line and then the walk away. Yeah. And it's just like, I think in Yojimbo, he says something along the lines of like, well, now like this will be a peaceful town. Oh, he tells the bell guy to hang himself. Oh yeah, he just, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love the bell guy too in Yojimbo. The the reason the way that uh the way that the gang is made aware of um, Sanjuro coming back into town is uh, the the guy the bell ringer will go out into the street and he will ring the bell. And scream the time, turn around, ring the bell and scream the time again to the other side of the town. And he comes out and he like rings the bell, screams and then turns around and doesn't ring the bell or scream again because he sees Sanjuro and runs away. And the two guys in the foreground, which is like this amazing framing, is just like they just like kind of look at each other and then they kind of turn around, they see him. And that's the shot where the the bartender is in absolute sharp focus in the foreground and it's this long shot where we can see Sanjuro all the way at the other end of town. And then these two guys like start to... That's like what movies are fucking made of right there. I love it. Yeah. You know, one
1: other thing that I noticed comparing the two is that I don't think you would have gotten uh, Clint Eastwood's poncho without the kimono. That's true. There's very similar dress there. Mm-hmm. You know, very similar silhouette. Would you have gotten his... Um...
0: Uh, like his cigar without the toothpick? I, I don't know. Probably not. Because that toothpick is pretty important in the beginning. Yeah. It kind of goes away but it's very like him like with the squint. Yeah. And I mean, we would, uh, we probably wouldn't have even gotten the Clint squint the Clint if squint. it wasn't for you, Jimbo. Oh, wow. Because yeah. that's... And then that sets that the tone. That boy is squinting. Right. And he sets the tone. He's squinting Tarantino. For,
1: yeah. And it just continues on for the rest of the trilogy. That character.
0: It's crazy. He, uh... What is uh, the, um... ba I was trying to think of the, you said the kimono. Oh, and he's also got like, you know, the, you know, Clint Eastwood's got like that whole demeanor where he's like scratching his chin. Right. He's doing the same thing. Sinjuro doing. So I love Sanjuro has like this tick where he scratches the back of his head by his top knot, which I think is really funny. Cause uh, apparently the actor just made that up. Okay. Cause he was like, I figured that, you know, this guy is like fierce and strong. But he's also lonely. And he was like, I was trying to come up with things that lonely people do. And he was like, and and I was like, scratch their heads. I was like, well, I guess if you think about it, like lonely people aren't used to people being around. So like, they'll do shit like scratch their head or, I don't know. Like, I think he was more like, maybe that's more of like a Japanese culture thing where it's like a little disrespectful, like just like be scratching yourself in front of people. So especially back in the sixties. So I don't know. Uh, But I always found like those little ticks interesting and I like how Clint Eastwood kind of Carries those over He's constantly rubbing his chin Thinking yeah. And instead of scratching his head He's always like Kind of fixing his hat A little bit Yeah Love or it. Like uh grimacing And you know
1: Fixing his cigar With his mouth mm-hmm. Um I mean another way that uh Like he's got that great Yeah Yep Fantastic Yep Another way like Leone like blows up Like everything From Yojimbo Is when Clint gets captured And is sneaking out You know In Yojimbo He just like hides and manages to sneak out in fistful. Clint Eastwood blows up that uh, fucking uh, the fucking guy barrel, with, the, yeah. with the barrel.
0: That's one of the things that that shot too is so great with that barrel. And it's like, all of a sudden it's the zoom in on yeah. the big guy. Like it's great. It just explodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's, and that's funny too, because I bet you, when you watched Yojimbo,
1: you, I was pro- expecting
0: a more crazy escape. And I was going to say the, uh, the dumb, I say that with love. The dumb brother, yeah, uh, with the big teeth, yeah, and the uh, unibrow. And the unibrow, he's just kind of like a dope, and that he takes advantage of a lot to like get a lot done. I bet you you thought that that guy was play Although I guess in in when you watch it in that order, you're you're at a little bit of a loss because see the what I don't know how to explain this. You know the big guy in Fistful the big, big the main guy. big yeah. dude yeah like you thought that, that those are gonna be the same character oh that's because the dumb brother that they're the gonna big guy new jimbo right yeah. but he really doesn't do that much in fistful yeah he just so yeah up. he's more like the big tall guy all right yeah. yeah that makes more sense he's more the intimidating dude who also gets cut down in like a second i love that he's walking around with that gigantic like super smash brothers mallet yeah and you're just like what's gonna happen with that mallet and he's gonna die ever happens yeah. he just dies I do love too those three goons. I wish they were in the rest of the movie in Yojimbo. those three goons that he shoot that that he shoots that he that he like they takes out arm just to really set the mood to yeah. set the tone. And he's got that line uh where he's like you're going to need three coffins. And he says it after the fact of killing them all and then Leone switches that and as he's walking towards yeah. the guys like you're gonna need three coffins padre or yeah. whatever and goes in and then he comes back He's like better make it four because he killed four of them yeah it's fantastic and
1: the coffin maker in that is just a prime old west coot oh he yeah. is just a prime like gold miner stereotype
0: looking guy is that the same actor who plays in, is it in Good the Bad and the Ugly? The crazy guy that like I Clint Eastwood wakes up and he's just like, I don't know everybody. I used to know everybody. That's for a few dollars. More. That's a few dollars yeah, more. Yeah, is that I, the I'm same actor? Sure it's the same guy. He looks the same because yeah. when I watched for a few dollars more, I was just like, this fucking guy is on fire. This guy showed up to set ready to go, just beard out. He's just ready to go. He's a professional. Skull
1: showing it through his skin. Yeah, Clint just, Eastwood is just like this
0: is one of the easiest days on set I ever had. He really does have a great voice. Yeah. Oh man. Get it's more. Oh, my it's man. perfect. It's great. Um. I mean, that's yeah. A few dollars more. Like, uh, let's jump into that one a little bit. We can always yeah. still jump on a yeah. fistful. We're we're about at the time to hit that. Yeah. Um. You go. Give me give me some of your for a few dollars more shit. Well,
1: so a few dollars more is like, it's again very different. He shakes up the toy box, gets a couple new rolls in, uh, and it's. It's very different in that it's not as... Uh, it's a much more character-driven story. Absolutely. Because you got Lee Van Cleef in there, um, who's great. Uh, it's a lot more plot. Like, they actually spend a lot more time talking, uh, you know, setting up the plot. You know, this guy, we're going to work together. We're going to... Um, one of us is going influ- to or infiltrate the, the gang. Um, and then this is also where you get the... Again, he's like... He's... He's, these are test runs almost for The Good, The Mad, The Ugly, because this it is it, where yeah. he introduces music a lot more. Which doesn't say the music in
0: Fistful isn't good, but this is where he starts using music He starts using – yes, yeah. exactly. Like, and that's – we were talking also about like the idea of comparing these movies is so hard because it might just be one of, if not the greatest trilogy ever made. Because each one is great on its own. And as a whole, they're this kind of wholly unique trilogy in a way that most other trilogies can't be because most other trilogies have more than Continuity. just this like, yeah, tangential connection. Yeah. Like, this is like they're of the same world. They don't take place in the same world, you know. And if this if these movies re-
1: were remade is what I was thinking when I was watching it, it would absolutely be I am the man with no name in the first one and the second one, and the third one, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have, like, all these people, you wouldn't have Lee Van Cleef in the second one and the third one as two different characters, mm-hmm. and you'd have backstory as to why
0: everybody knows each other. They don't, like, there's all those little connections. They never actually verbally communicate something like, Yeah, you know, he's never, like, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood as a, uh, what was it Mancho? Uh, Manco. Manco, I believe that means one-handed. In, in, yeah, uh in um, uh, for a few dollars more, he never like says like, well, one time I was in this town and yeah, there were these gangs and I really I really like bratted him up. <laughs> he's such a little brat in that in that movie, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. And this is actually one where you do get some motivation for Clint mm-hmm. because he's and he's more of a douchebag in this. Yeah, he's probably this is probably the one where he's the most like a bad guy. Like he's pretty bad. He's a bad go. dude. Yeah. Like he's a, a bounty know. hunter.
1: Yeah. Uh oh this starts let's talk about all the title sequences and all of these being just oh, like yeah. the great, like just retro awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, you get that that long shot of just a guy riding and getting shot. Uh like uh, a few dollars more starts that with the guy just galloping That's so and just good. getting sniped. You hear
0: him whistling. Yeah. Just having a good time. And then just getting and sniped. And then you hear like a, you hear like the yeah, and then the horse runs away and then the, as the horse like runs off the screen it's like oh, yeah! yeah you get this this title card that says like you know where life has
1: no value death sometimes has a price yeah, yeah. Oh, and
0: amazing it's so good and cause I mean the, for a few dollars more is very much about bounty hunters and killing people for money yeah and the twist in the end is that one of these guys was actually this was like a vendetta this was right. revenge this was like what it was all about yeah and uh and then the other guy who's a bounty hunter decides to, like, you know, help him out, even though, like, he might not get any money out of this or anything anymore. And then at the end of the day, like, he just gets, like, a tr- like a truck full of bodies of guys and, and just, like, runs yes. and just goes on.
1: And, yeah, so this is one where he, they, they talk and he actually says, like, oh, you know, I think I might get a nice piece of land somewhere. So he actually finally gets m- some motivation for the man with no name. In that maybe he'll get a piece of land.
0: Like that's what he's looking for. He's yeah. looking to settle. Yeah. You know. Which you can't believe. No, I think it's supposed to be more of like a, like a cheesy metaphor for like, you know, one guy is looking to settle the score and yeah. he's just looking to settle down. Right. Know? It's like a tagline. That they could do. Yeah. yeah. Also to like kind of humanize him, make him a hero a little bit where it's like, he's not just killing these people for fun because he likes it. He's killing them because he's trying to save up money so that he can get away from this life. Is what he tells just, himself. will throw away line. Yeah.
1: Because he clearly loves killing people. Mm -hmm. Has a great time doing gun tricks.
0: Mm -hmm. Is uh, for a few dollars more is the one. See, this is where it starts to get tricky because a lot because it's good, the bad and the ugly. And for a few dollars more so stylistically uh, intertwined, like good, the bad and the ugly is definitely a little bit more professional. Yeah. Because of budget and scope and talent. But for a few dollars more, like has a lot of like most of the movie takes place like in the, in like El Paso where they're robbing the bank yeah. or in their hideout. Yeah. Right. That's where most of it takes place. Yeah. I get, and yeah. for a few dollars more has a very similar kind of like shootout where it's like the conclusion. The circle,
1: there's three guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and the, uh, also the, uh, the shootout at the end of for a few dollars more like, while they're taking on all of the gang and getting when the oh. gang is sent after them and they fight their way back, yeah, the two of them are taking turns, taking, taking guys turns. Out. It's a lot like in A *Good, the Bad, and the Ugly* when Tuco and Blondie kind of fight Team their up. way out, like through, like to kill all of Van right. men. Right.
1: Again, so, it's like it's another test run. He's like trying some things out, and he puts it all all together in the next one.
0: Mm-hmm. Check those notes, so. Oh. Yeah. I mean, for a few dollars more, I, I think it's my favorite one because I think it's the one that really kind of brings in that revenge style attitude that I'm so used to seeing in movies that are really uh, emblematic of these types of movies, like Tarantino movies and stuff like that. Movies that are, you know, grindhouse for the sake of grindhouse, exploitation for the sake of exploitation. Like this revenge is usually the main thing that's going on in those plot right. lines. And that's what this story is really about. Dig true, dig two graves, mm-hmm. that kind of
1: Uh, thing you know because Lee Van Cleefs goes in he doesn't care if he comes out he just wants to kill uh,
0: Indigo and I like I mean the fight that they have the fight with the hats is like oh hilarious the
1: so uh, like
0: a hot take the best scene in the trilogy in my opinion I think where they shoot each
1: other's hats off where they shoot
0: each other's hats off I think is so perfect and so overdone (laughs) And just like you're just like, I've been watching these guys fuck around with each other's hats for like five minutes, but it even it equally is like entertaining to watch. It's funny, it's scary. Uh, the, it teaches us a lot about the characters. It teaches the characters a lot about each other. yeah it's like the perfect scene for a movie. It's me and Ria recently came up with the term. it's when a movie is movieing. It's like when you can feel a movie like doing that thing that you came to the movies to see and it's doing it so obviously that you're being reminded that you're watching a movie right. but you don't care because you're like, this is so much fun. Yeah, that's Mamma Mia 2 as a whole. like It's just like it's a great fucking movie. You need to see it. And, and that
1: fight even starts off because they get out in front of each other uh, outside of their respective inns mm-hmm. uh, and Lee Van Cleef steps on Clint with Jordans. Like he, oh, yeah. he steps on his shoes mm-hmm. and then Cl- – no, Clint no, starts – No, Clint, Clint steps Clint, on his Nikes. Yes. And yeah. then – Which Van I guess Cleef, those are Jordans those too. Are Jordan. Yeah. And then Lee Van Cleef does it back and then that's when Clint punches Lee Van Cleef in the face it's and sends so him like
0: 30 feet. Yeah. yeah. And, I, the, and even the build up to that too is like Van Cleef is just cleaning his guns and oh, then this yeah. like servant dude just walks in not saying a word starts packing all of his clothes into a bag not looking at him Van Cleef's like what's going on here and the guy leaves so he just like follows him out naturally and he goes out there and Clint is just standing there he's like take his bags to the train and he's like nope put it back turns around to the train turns around put it back ah yeah, ah, he, he just drops it and runs away. Th- like these is uh, this is great stuff. And then the scene immediately after where they strike the deal. Yeah, you know where they're just like they're having some drinks, smoking some cigarettes, talking about we've shot each other's hats. Yeah, we're so cool. You yeah. know, like and it be it's. I mean, it'd be really fucked up if he only shot his hat twice, like right in the top, and for a few dollars more, and that's where the holes came from in yeah. the fistful. I'd that just, would really fuck with you. <laughs> uh, no, I love the. The chemistry between Eastwood and Van Cleef in this is phenomenal. Yeah. And it kind of upsets me that they don't really get that many scenes together in the Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. But the one scene that they do get together is so electric when uh after they found out that with Tuco has, has told beaten. them where the graveyard yeah. is and it's like, we're going to go get it together because we respect one another. Right. It's like this. It's a really good. And that's when he gives them the clothes and stuff that he's going to have in the yeah. other two. It's just like these two guys are really good at like cheesing and hamming it the fuck up full ham and cheese sandwich and they're so good at doing it off of one another that it almost becomes like well this is the way people talk to each other in this world like it's they're so good at it it becomes so exciting to watch them communicate and you get way more of that and for a few dollars more so I think that really adds to why I like that one the most or why I enjoy that one the most I think good the bad and the ugly is the superior film I'm not going to I'm not an idiot. Yeah. But I, I, in my, my, the best one is Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. My favorite is for a few dollars more. Yeah. And, you know, he even, Clint even like recedes in that movie and Lee Van Cleef becomes the star. Mm hmm. And he, he does great in it. Uh, yes. He does. And I think he does the exact same thing Good, the Bad, and the Ugly with Tuco. Yeah. And I think Clint Eastwood was, uh, he did not like that. No. Um, I'd like to think that he did. Because he does, it, he does it twice in a row. And I'd be like, that'd be a really cool thing to do at the beginning of your career. It's like, no, I understand the story. It must succeed. Right. And he was like, I wanted the, I guess he was like, the Tuco role is like, that's got all the fun stuff, you know? And, Did he really
1: think he was going to be able to play Tuco?
0: No, not oh. that he was going to be able to play Tuco. He's like, Tuco gets to do all the fun stuff. Okay. Like, why can't I do some of the stuff Tuco does? Like, why can't I have the brother that's a priest or something like that? Yeah. And it's like. It's not, you it's don't not have you don't have depth. You're just the cool guy. You're the cool guy. You look cool. You got the Clint squint. Yeah, Squint and Tarantino. You just you're just going. Supernaturally there.
1: good at shooting things. Supernaturally good. Yeah, and I. Oh, uh, uh, we'll get to
0: that. That's good. The bad right, in the air. Yeah, Let's yeah. not focus on that. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, even Lee Van Cleef shooting a hat in the air eight thousand times that doesn't make any sense at all. But that's is great. Why doesn't it make sense? You can't shoot a hat like that. It doesn't work. It just goes right through the hat.
0: No, it goes through the hat and it gives it a little push.
1: <laughs> where it goes 20 feet in the air and then it lands and he shoots again 20 feet in the air? It's yeah. not Mario.
0: Yeah, no, it is. He's, that's, he's that's... hitting a brick and the coin's coming out. You weren't there. <laughs> yeah. I you wasn't. don't fucking know. <laughs> Look at you. Don't assume how he shoots hats with a gun and propels them 20 feet in the air like Mario. And that's actually, you know, that's where you get uh, Clint
1: as the speed man and Lee yes. Van Cleet as the precision man. And that becomes the two characters where Clint is like the cool, young, sort of hot-headed kid yeah. who's fast. Yeah, he's the
0: quick draw. Yeah,
1: and Lee Van Cleef is all about precision. Precision, and, he's the assassin. Yeah,
0: and style and like smoothness. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, I always forget and For a Few Dollars More, when every time I watch it, and I watch it all the time, and it's really funny how every time I watch it, I always get surprised in the end. Because I always forget what the relationship is. Van Cleef has with the couple that get killed, and it's his sister. It's his sister. But and I thought Emma, it was his daughter. And every time I fucking watch this thing, I think that that's his son. That oh. his son fell in love. Yeah, with this woman, and then this guy killed his son. To sleep with his son's lover. Yeah. And that the pocket watches, because there's two of them, there's a big one and a small one. And the big one we are shown has the girl's face in it. Yeah. Because I think that was supposed to be for him, the yeah. son, and that the little one would have a picture of the son in it because that was meant to be for her because it's the little one. Yeah. And I always, I'm like, oh yeah. And when we finally see the, the li- open, both. the little one, it's, they're both the girl. Which is confusing. Uh, why is that a gift? Yeah. Is he giving it to her? I don't know. What? Yeah. It, it, you know, that scene, though, that's why it freaks me out. It's like I start thinking about it with my movie brain. And I'm like, well, that'd be a really weird gift that's to give cute. somebody. So, yeah, it's got to be the son. That's right. The son is the and I trick myself every time into thinking it. And then he's just like, yeah, it's the girl. And I'm like, oh, I guess maybe it was his daughter. And then she's like, sister. And I'm like, fuck, I'm all <laughs> fucked up with this. Thing. I've, I've seen s- this movie like 20 times. I keep forgetting.
1: It's so hardcore that after he kills her, her husband and he's on top of her that she gets the gun and doesn't kill him she shoots herself in the heart great that stuff. is hardcore great stuff yeah
0: also probably one of the most disturbing rape scenes where you yeah. don't really see anything yeah really it's very just very close and just very like very yeah. strict and yeah. like shaking it's uh it's it's hard to even kind of explain like why it's so uh, uh, unsettling like you we just, all get why it's yeah, unsettling. Right. But the way that he chooses to frame it and scope it and shoot it and have the actors portray it is just very, especially for like 1965, it's just very like, ooh, that's kind of in your face about it. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, And you have uh, Indigo.
1: I, I don't know the actor's name, but I mean, he is so swarthy and like crazy eyed the whole time. It really makes you uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Uh, I tried to pull up uh, – his name and uh uh a lot of Gian Maria Volante? What do you got there?
1: Gian Maria Volante. Yeah. Yeah. Gian. Yeah. Probably
0: John. Gian. A lot like that. Gian? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and this has also got um, With his beautiful eyeshadow, natural eyeshadow all the time. We must uh, talk about uh Klaus Kinski as the hunchback. Are you familiar with Klaus Kinski? No. But you do know that. That is a guy, that is an actor, like, that plays the hunchback in that movie. Like, that's, like, Klaus Kinski is a very big uh, actor, like, a German actor. Yeah. um, Let's go with it. Uh, He was, like, in Werner Herzog movies and stuff like that. And he is uh, an absolute fucking madman in real life. Uh Uh-huh. And so seeing him in this movie is just like, oh, my God. Like, what is Klaus Kinski doing in this movie? And he's just a hunchback. Which is, and he likes the matchup. Oh, oh, that's great. This is the best one. Are, like This is my favorite one. Like, this is, come on. Like, this is like the most I fun can't. to watch. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. All we'll right. talk about, you'll have your defense. I'm talking about all this fun stuff. Yeah. We're smiling. We're having yeah. a good time. When We get to good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll see how the tables turn. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
1: What? I mean, I don't know. This one, I it just kind of stalls sometimes for me where I just, I mm-hmm. don't know. I, I, I'm not always with it all the time. 'Cause maybe I can, a little too I, can see,
0: I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And I mean, that's the same problem that I have with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Every time I rewatch it, I'm kinda like I'm like, man, this movie's three hours long. And you get to a scene where you're like, I remember this scene. This scene's like 15 minutes long. They could cut this. They could cut they could have cut this. And then you get to the end of the scene and you're like Oh, no, that was a great scene. I wouldn't want them to cut that at all. That's great. It's just like there's all this different stuff, like the shootout of killing Van Cleef's men and like the Civil War bridge scene. You can lose those. Yeah, they really don't need to be there. But you want them there because they add so much to the story. Like they're not just there for filler or spectacle. There's no Leone ego in them. And it's like I think in for a few dollars more in the same way that we've been saying this whole time, it's like a progressive nature thing as he's building and he's kind of learning these like subtleties. And I think that, I think that he tries to add a little bit more dialogue than is needed because Fistful didn't really have a lot of dialogue. And I think that he's trying to work that out. And then the good, the bad and the ugly has a lot of dialogue because it's just very long. It's probably got just as equal silent moments as it does dialogue. It's just fucking three hours long. So there's an hour and a half of people talking and an hour and a half of people looking at each other.
1: Well, so in, in Fistful, that's a very short movie. That's, 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 you know, it's a standard like 90 minutes. Uh, and it ends with a very good, high high energy climax.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The few dollars more, longer probably two hours, like, ten minutes. Yeah, and it's I don't think the payoff at the end is quite as good as it is as fistfuls, and so that's why mm-hmm. like I am not always as keen to watch a longer
0: movie with a payoff that I don't find as satisfying as fistfuls Totally. I mean I really like the whole setup of the ending with um Indio like he's uh the watch No 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 not even like even before that where he's like they're trying to steal the 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 the, the gold or oh, whatever And Indio's double crossing And his he's own double men. crossing everybody. Yeah. He's like we'll send them out there because they'll the two of them will either kill all of them and escape or they'll kill the men and then we'll just kill them when they come back right. and we'll and just we'll and he's split like the Me money will split half. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I really like that idea where he's like, he's just sending them out there and he's, he's, he's fully aware. He's like, those two guys are so talented. They might be able to kill all of my men, but then he just assumes that they'll run away. Right. But then they come back and he's just like, oh, whoa, damn. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. he's just like, he's a classic insane gang leader. Yeah. And just that, like he's,
0: he, you don't get to the leader Because that's the, the one where he gets, he gets busted out of prison. Yeah, and he he kills the guy who no, was like. No, he didn't get busted out of prison. He His, gets busted out of prison at the beginning of the movie because he was uh, in the cell with the dude that designed the cabinet that is oh, the safe. Oh, right, okay, yeah. And I thought you were talking about the other guy that Clint busts out for him. To no, get no, the that's the other. Thing. That like that's to get into the gang, which is also a great yeah like setup and everything. Well, like that, that
1: and the and when Lee Van Cleef shoots Clint in the neck just to be like, look, he, I great know you're stuff. gonna, I know you're gonna try and trick me here, but. Uh, you can't go back killing three guys and say that you got out without a
0: scratch. Right. Yeah. And then he sends him over there and then he's also like swept it around where he's like, Oh, tell him to go North, but he knows that they were going to go East. And so he's already there. Yeah. And then the hunchback guy recognizes him instead of him lying and saying like, never seen you before. He's like, Oh yeah. Small world. Yeah. And then he kill kills you. him. Yeah. And then everybody's like, who are you? And he's like, I know how to open that safe. You got like, he just, that's and Clint's like, what the fuck's going on? You're and he's like, cracker he's like, is this guy going to fucking rat me out? Cause like, he's the one that knows that I'm not doing, like, it's phenomenal movie all throughout for reasons that they never even fully explore or, or, um, like explicitly describe, you know? Yeah. It's all these little moments. And every time you watch it, you pick up on all these other little things that are like very tense and very like, uh, it doesn't really carry the plot forward any, but it like makes the plot more interesting as it's being told, you know? That's true. I you love that goddamn movie. Look, I
1: you don't have to convince me. I, I still like it. I'm not going to convince you.
0: This seems like a good time. We'll take a break. Sounds good. All great. right. And we'll, uh, when we come back, we will uh, dive right into the epic masterpiece that everybody's probably here for, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then we're going to talk about Forgiven, uh, which is great. Awesome. Great, 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 Fantastic. great, great, great Morgan Freeman performance. Um, so we'll be right back after this. Hey guys, Mike Burge, of course, popping in here real quick to let you know about StoryScreenBeacon.com. That's it. Go to the website, read our stuff, talk to us about things. That's all I got time for with this commercial. So let's get back to talking about Westerns. Okay. All right. Are you cool with that? Do you want me to talk more about stuff? Maybe tell you that our Instagram is at story underscore screen underscore beacon, or you can follow us on Twitter at story underscore screen. You can find us on Vimeo, Story Screen, Facebook, Story Screen Beacon. Do you really want me to say all that? I didn't think so. And welcome back. Uh, jumping right back in. Now we're going to talk that good, that bad, that ugly. Yeah. Uh, the, the Tuco story. The Tuco. It literally is a Tuco story. It's a very good movie. Oh, man.
1: Teen Hard Eli Wallach.
0: Totally, yeah, I mean, you know, you'd never see it coming, but by the end of the movie, you're like, "Wow, that's a cutie. I mean, so this my favorite trivia about this movie is that
1: he, like Sergio Leone must hate Eli Wallach. He, one, he's an insane person, like there's so much like he just got shit on this entire production. okay, all right, so uh one, he almost gets killed at least twice, maybe three times. Mm -hmm. He, uh, he's on the, um, he's when he gets shot off the horse or when he gets shot, the rope shot the first time he's got his hands tied behind his back. The horse got freaked out and just rode away Mm -hmm. with Eli Wallach on top of the horse with his hands tied behind his back. Uh, that was one. He almost gets decapitated by the train, uh, when he kills the big guy, oh yeah you can see in the shot and he's lying underneath this train going by him. You can see a step. Is like maybe a foot over his head, Ooh,
0: like just geez. a steel step. Like they going didn't by. even think about. It. Yeah,
1: well, it's just like it's probably not. It's
0: in Italy, so they probably didn't have like guild stuff
1: there. They're just like, fuck it, let's right? Just film yeah, it. I don't think
0: anybody was really paying attention to them while they were making this. I yeah. mean, I guess the good, the bad, and the ugly a little bit more so, just because like there was a lot of shit going on. Yeah. But like, uh, I don't think that they didn't necessarily have like you know abyss level like uh crews and stuff like that. We yeah. were talking about the abyss. Not too long ago. God, I'm bringing up The Abyss. You really want to talk about The Abyss. I, I haven't it's seen one it. of my favorite I movies. I know yeah. I say that about a lot of stuff. Abyss is definitely top 10 okay. in there. I fucking love that movie. And in The Abyss, like it mainly is shot underwater. And they oh, constantly so have, they constantly had, I think it was like three scuba divers per actor. It's so expensive. It's, very, it's a very expensive movie. But yeah, I don't think that in the the good, the bad, and the ugly that they really had too much uh, people that were on the lookout for safety. Yeah. So there's that. He, uh,
1: Clint Eastwood, at least, almost gets killed when they blow up the bridge. You can see in the shot there's a piece of rock that comes flying in and hits the sandbag <laughs> when like Clint and Eli are just sitting there. So like the shrapnel flying all over them from that. Uh, and then I guess he, Eli Wallach, even accidentally drank acid. Because they had acid they were putting on the bags so that they could be easier to break with a shovel. And it was in like a lemonade bottle. And Eli Wallach just took a swig from it and almost poisoned himself. So he had mouth sores all over. Yeah. So like – and to top it all off, he didn't know he was the ugly. Because the movie wasn't called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly until like it got to America – and they're
0: like let's let's call it this, and they're like oh that sounds pretty good. Well, yeah, because doesn't it kind of uh, it, like the, the what it was originally called translates to something else, like, like two tramps or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was more like a tramp kind of thing where it's like not like ugly. Because well, I mean, no, he, no, it was first like two tramps, and then they made it like il cattivo,
1: il you know, it was the the the. Yeah. And I think they were all the good, the bad. I think it was a translation of the good, of, the bad, and the ugly. Of the but, ugly. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think that Eli Wong knew he was the ugly until they saw the trailer and it was like, oh, and the ugly. And he's like, oh, what the fuck is
0: that? Well, and it's like, I think a lot of people misconstrue like ugly as in looks and stuff like that. It's yeah. supposed to be his character. His character yeah. is ugly. It's yeah. like, we've got a guy that's like a good guy. We got a guy that's a bad guy. And then we got a guy that's like, kind of like, just like a crummy human being. Oh, like, yeah. Who's like, I think, you know, a sweetheart. I think that he's been dealt a bad hand and the movie. What? Who? Tuco? Tuco. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think he's just been dealt a really bad hand. He's not too bright in the sense of like, you know, book smart, but he's street smart. He knows like how to take care of himself and like knows a, a good or bad deal when he sees one. And he's definitely, uh, talented he's very skilled skilled and I mean I love when they uh first introduce his character like if you're gonna take this guy and he's gonna be the third lead in a movie where it's Van Cleef and Eastwood and these guys are like Western superstars yeah. by this point in their own right you're gonna take this guy and be like oh man he's a he's a how can he ever match up to these guys and they have the whole scene where he goes in and he assembles like the three guns yeah. which you cannot do. Right. Yeah um, but, like, but it's fine. Right. It looks cool. It cool. So yeah. it gets it gets an okay. And then he takes him out into the back and he, like, shoots the shooting signs things in and he shoots them like, in half.
1: Front, like shooting a deck of cards in half, basically. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's great. Yeah. And that's, like, you find, you see, you're like, wow, like, this guy is a good marksman. This guy's a good shooter. This guy he's just could dope. go toe-to-toe with these dudes. He's just kind of a goofball.
1: Right. And it's sort of like he's caught I've, – I've read this one interpretation of it is that, like, he is the most human character. And then you have these two supernaturally powerful forces – Just slugging it out, and he's, like,
0: stuck in the middle. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's – we've talked about, too, the idea of, like, Clint Eastwood being the good in this movie. Like, he's also, like, a a pretty bad dude. Yeah, he's he's literally conning the authorities. Yeah, and he, like, is, like uh, – he has, like, an arc – in the movie, probably the only character really with an arc. I don't think yeah. Tuco really learns too no. much. He kind of more contemplates himself, but he doesn't make any changes. Like the, the things that happen to humanize Tuco are more for the audience than they are for Tuco as a character. Right, he doesn't in his grow. Arc. Yeah, he's not really learning from anything. We're just kind of getting to know this guy a little bit more so that by the end, it's very important that by the end we don't want Tuco or Blondie to die. Right. Like we want... We want the uh, the bad guy attached
1: to Tuco. Yeah,
0: what, what's uh, Van Cleef's name in Angelize. this? Angel Eyes. We want him to die because he's like a bad dude. We've seen him do really bad things, mm-hmm. and so we want him to be off. But we're like, what's going to happen to Tuco? Like, they're probably not going to kill Clint Eastwood, but like, we don't want Tuco to die, and that's like, I think the linchpin of that last uh, that last standoff yeah. is that you don't know who's going to die, but you definitely want two of them to live. And in this kind of standoff, you're like, the odds of that are not likely.
1: Right. And you don't always, you don't really know at the end who Lee Van Cleef is going to aim at because you can tell very clearly that Tuco's going to shoot at Angel Eyes and Clint Eastwood obviously shoots at Angel Eyes. Mm-hmm. But it's so quick that you, it's really hard to tell where Angel Eyes was going to draw to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine he'd probably go to, and because they all have connections too. Like Angel Eyes and Tuco used to work together. Because Remember, Tuko knows that it's Angel Eyes. He's like, That's he Angel Eyes. Yeah, and Angel Eyes. And he knows of Angel Eyes. He's never met him before. And like, yeah. they kind of, they team up and they kind of work together. So, just they have respect. They all of them have worked together in some way with one another, but not all three. Yeah. And that's kind of like, you don't know, like, well, is Angel Eyes like, I know he's not friends with Tuko, but like, it, would he rather. Is he scared of Tuco because he's seen what he can do, so he's going to go for him first? Or does he know that Clint is, like, Blondie is the more talented? It's a really great standoff because there's all of these things happening that you get to consider for, like, that big two-minute buildup where you don't know what's going to happen. Like, there's all of these things to consider. Yeah. And it makes it, like, a spectacle.
1: But, I mean, we're skipping ahead. we got to start. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm really good at skipping ahead. Yeah, with, like, you know, just it starts out just, like classic like ghost town just that that musty guy's face in the in the camera and those that's when you first meet Tuco because they're gonna jump him and Tuco kills these guys jumps out the window with a chicken leg in the other hand yeah that's great uh you have Lee Van Cleef in the next scene being introduced as like this bounty hunter guy and just – Don't like, know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, just and like a, a I- mud farmer, another mud farmer just, uh, you know, eking out – he's more of a dust farmer, this guy. Mm-hmm. And goes and they have this like really tense soup scene just eating whatever this weirdo yellow soup is mm-hmm. uh, and just like tense. You know, I, I got to get some information from you. And the guy tries to pay him off. He goes, oh, thanks for trying to pay me off, but – you know, whenever I get paid, I always see my job through. and mm-hmm. Shoots the guy. I mean, that's great. That's just like the tension that starts off from there just sets the tone for everything. Being like, oh, this movie's gonna be uh, like a tense, tense mm-hmm. ride.
0: Yeah, and then he kills the the kid. Yeah, the, the the older oldest the oldest son that we haven't seen yet comes down with a rifle. He shoots him. Doesn't feel bad about it at all. No. takes the money and walks. Goes then, to the guy that hired him and then just kills him yeah, too. Says, hey, you, you know, know
1: he told me something very interesting. He said, he said I think he wanted to pay me off to get you to kill him. And the guy was like, ah, I can't <laughs> believe you. Yeah. And he's like,
0: well, you know, I when I get paid, I see the job through. And puts a pillow over his face and shoots him like five times. And this was uh, watching it this time. I w- this is the first time. Uh, the last time I've seen The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, I was probably like 18 years old. Okay. It was like, uh, like almost 15 years ago. Yeah. So, um it's the one that i'm the least familiar with but that's the power of the good the bad and the ugly you know what's happening you know where you're at always you're like oh that's right that's when this happens that's when this happens and i haven't seen it for almost half my life but i could still recall all of these moments but this is the first time i've watched the movie since uh seeing some quentin tarantino movies and the inglorious bastard scene where, um, the German dude, uh, like puts a pillow over the guy's face and then just stabs oh, the pillow yeah. over and yep. over again. Yep. That is very much like the same feeling yep. that happens when he just puts it over and just like unloads this gun, like directly into this pillow yeah. where one would do just fine. Yeah. No, but he's got to do like fine. And he's not even doing it like a silencer. Like he's more no. just doing it so that like he doesn't get any blood on him or anything. Yeah. Like he's yeah. just like puts it over and just ba 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 Yeah. He's, he's ruthless. It's really good. It's really, really good. And especially again for, you know, this is 1966. This isn't like forever ago, but it
1: really is like, you know, for 10 years ago, you were going to the mall shop movies,
0: right? This is, yeah, exactly. This is like, you know, you, you look back on it and it's, it's kind of a slap in the face of like what was happening before, like the big early seventies, like new golden age of cinema. Like what was everybody doing before that? and, this isn't what they were doing. This is what like taught them that this is what you can do. Yeah. And like from shit like this, we were able to start getting like the Scorsese's and the Coppola's and stuff like that. Okay. Like these guys with this ultra violent nonsense where it's like, that's where you get the whole, like, you know, the bravado of violence and that these movies are too violent, and that they're endorsing violence. And it's like, well, this is a bad guy. Like show him things. do violent things. So we don't like him. Yeah. You don't want to be the bad guy. It's like anybody that, like, blames video games and stuff for people being violent and everything. It's like, no, they probably just got shitty parents or a mental condition. Like, it's not that hard. It's not a riddle. It's their video games. I've been playing video games my whole life. I'm not bashing my head in the bricks or uh, doing all that stuff. I know it's a stupid joke and it's a very serious topic, but it's... I don't. I. I. I like, and I think that this is like a fun thing to kind of just like plant here at the beginning of this half, because once I we get, get into for- Unforgiven, which is very much about the absurdity of the violence of these westerns and stuff like that, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, really is this kind of this kind of culmination of all of the westerns that have come before it, from the Fords and the Houstons yeah. And it's like this new attitude that Leone has been growing for the past two years with his past two films. And just, like, what he's made Clint Eastwood and how Clint Eastwood has become, like, this icon. By the by, the time The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly comes out, he's an icon. Yeah. And it's, like, using all of those things to comment on the violence of war, but also to present to us this very violent, realistic Old West. Yeah. Where, like, people were just killing each other left and right, and seemingly nobody around cared. And you just sort of drop, and it's not like uh, the old black
1: and white Westerns. Ooh! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no,
0: th- this is like, you're just
1: getting blown away. Yeah. you just dropping dropping right down. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a lot of magic in the guns in the way that sure. they're able to shoot these ropes and do all these sorts of very cool tricks with them. But, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a very really dramatic. Good, they're really good shooters. Yeah.
0: You shoot the rope. Yeah, you shoot the rope. Yeah. You shoot the rope off. I mean, even he doesn't do it right every time.
1: Well, he does, I think he missed on purpose that, that second time.
0: Oh, no, he doesn't miss on purpose. Uh, he gets held up.
1: He can't shoots no that's by tuco no 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 there's so sorry, right, clint eastwood is the good but the first time we see him we, he shoots four other bounty hunters just so that he can claim tuco so yeah. that he can bring tuco in to uh
0: get money and then scam have him and to, release that's him. this is the question i want to ask you have is that where tuco and blondie meet or have they already been doing this for a bit because it seems to me that that's when they meet and it, they it start does seem doing like that. It. Yeah. And they only do it once and then they're going to do it a second time. And somebody stops Clint Eastwood. Somebody comes up behind Clint Eastwood and is like, put the no. gun down. And he's like, well, what about Tuco? No,
1: that's not how it goes at all.
0: No, why no. am I for- no, remembering this so, wrong? No,
1: so Clint does it with Tuco. They, they shoot the rope the first time, he, so they split the cash. He's worth two thousand dollars. They both get a thousand. Uh-huh. Tuco says, uh, you know, I'm the guy that's on the other end of the rope. I think I should get more money. And Clint says, Oh, really? You know, I'm the one who shoots the rope. If you cut my pay, maybe I'll miss. Uh, and Tuco that's where Tuco says, Well, look, if you miss, you better miss well because you only get to double cross Tuco once. Right. Uh, and then so the second time, Tuco's hanging there, and Clint's Clint's there, but he misses, I think on purpose, so that it frays. Uh huh. And Tuco is, and the horse runs off, and then he shoots again and drops it. And it's only when he ditches Tuco after that and says, "I don't think you're ever going to be worth more than three thousand dollars," makes him walk back to town. Yeah, so that he
0: gets a new stooge to do this with. I'm saying that why he misses is because doesn't somebody walk up to Blondie no. and they stop because he's got exactly. that That's line where he's like, stooge. and he's
1: like, and Tuco. No, it's Shorty. He gets a third. He gets a new guy, a new out, a new a uh, new crook named Shorty that he t- pulls this con with. Right. And when Tuco catches up with him, he holds Clint up and says, you know, Clint goes, oh, uh, and Shorty? And you goes, no. Yes, then, uh, that's sorry, that's what I yeah. missed.
0: That's a yeah, sorry Shorty and then Shorty hangs. That's yeah. that's what I was getting the confusion there. Right? And yeah. Tuco, two separate times. Gotcha. Yeah. Very good scenes all in all. Yeah. Very good, good way to introduce Great. us. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and yeah, so he does that and then well that's even that's the second time that he gets double crossed because or that's the second time that Tuko catches him because the first time Tuko catches him in the saloon right and he gets he gets saved because of, like the cannonball right ball. and that's the great line where he's standing up on the on the thing ready to hang himself and Tuko goes like uh you know, the cannon starts shooting, and he's like, "Oh, you know, there's a storm." When Judas hanged himself too, and Clint's like, "That could be cannon fire." Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like, like Yeah, blows yeah. the floor out. I like later. too
0: how he's just like, "I'm going to shoot the legs off." Yeah, the the the, the, yeah, we the play the, different it, game, and that never comes up again. I was yeah. just like, "Oh, so that does? Do they do something like that later on with the legs?" I was like, "No, it's just a line that he yeah. throws
1: away." Yeah, um, that's a great line when the guy like you know walks in, he doesn't know how Clinton knew to shoot him, and he's
0: like, "Your spurs."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and then it's just like hey, those spurs to come. Yeah, and then that—that's when you get the the two people, the two types. Or well, no, two, I think two types starts before that when he goes like, you know, there's two types of people: people who hang and people who shoot the rope. I shoot the rope. Yeah. And then Tuco flips that and says, "There's two types of spurs: one that comes through the door, one that comes through the window." Mm-hmm. And then that comes back at the end. At the with end, the with two, dig. yeah, it's those who shoot and those who dig, right? You dig, yeah, you dig. Iconic line. Good yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. Like
0: the whole movie is just tight for as yeah, long as it is, and like. For as many kind of quote unquote throwaway scenes because like you don't really long. need them, yeah, but you want them, yeah. You're like, and you're like, I'm into this. I like everything that I'm seeing. Because then right after that and everything, that, that's when we get into one of the most iconic moments in Western cinema the ever, scene. which is the desert scene of Clint just walking through the desert, just dying, just dying, just, not just even like, tied up or, like or anything. Yeah, yeah, just man, the makeup work on that. It's well, like, what did they horrible. do?
1: Like, it looks crazy yeah he looks rough and you know t- like and two goes ever like a pink umbrella or something just following along like having a great time great time uh and you know this is one that like Tarantino picks up again in hateful eight mm-hmm. where he makes the they they flip it and it's a snow scene see, which is great you can't I, like, uh, why did
0: it take so long to do that like I don't it's know. pretty
1: crazy um and that's when you get the thing that actually sets off the rest. Like uh, that's like a half hour, forty five minutes in, and you still don't know what's actually happening in this movie, like what the main drive is. Mm-hmm. And that's well, we have get, heard
0: previously. All oh, right, Bill Carson. Th- yeah. About, about Bill Eyes. Carson and Angel Eyes is like, all right, he heard Bill Carson from that first guy, so now he's going to go see if he can hunt that down. So we're led to believe that while this is going on, um, Angel Eyes uh, like kills some like a sergeant or something like that and takes his identity yeah. and gets in, sneaks in to like this concentration camp yeah. in the area where he knows Carson is around.
1: Further, more confusing because his character in a few dollars more is Colonel Mortimer. And he plays like, I don't know if he's a Colonel, but he plays a soldier when he's, when he's hiding in this camp. Mm-hmm. It's just, wow. Oh yeah. They're, they're, yeah. He's fucking like, Why are you, you doing this?
0: I, I, like I said, at the time of good, the bad and the ugly, he's, he's specifically fucking with the audience and it's like, you know, the Dollars trilogy and the Man with No Name trilogy, those are not like like official monikers. Like, that was just like a marketing strategy yeah. for when they re released the movies on DVD. So it's like, it's not real. Yeah. But it's just like a really easy way to Gr- instead of saying Sergio re-paradise. Leone's Clint Eastwood movies, you yeah. just say the Dollars trilogy. It's, it's a very loosely, if at
1: all, connected trilogy. Yeah. And yeah. at this
0: time, at that point, like he's like messing around with the audience or so he's just like, haha, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Uh yeah, you get that amazing desert scene they come across like a cart filled with a bunch of uh, Confederate soldiers just dying. Just dying and one of them is an eye-patched man who we know is uh, Bill Carson, Carson uh, and he tells Tuco the uh name of the cemetery. The name of the cemetery where Tuco they buried the gold, all water. the gold that they stole. He tells him the name of the cemetery. Tuco goes to get him some water, when he comes back he's dead, but uh, uh, Ah, uh, Blondie is uh, laying there and he has heard the name of the grave of the, the grave. grave. Yeah. And now the, the partnership is reignited. If you'll kill me, you'll always be poor. And then Tuco is just like Tuco becomes Blondie's best friend again. Yeah. He's a very good friend, very good friend, gonna take care no, of no, him. No, no, no,
1: no, Blondie, no, no.
0: And then uh takes him to a place that just so happens to be uh, a um his brother's mission. His brother's mission, right, who right. is not there at the time when he first arrives. and he shows up. We get a little bit of Tuco backstory.
1: That, that, great. Oh, man. Where we came from, you either become a priest or a crook. Uh, you chose your way. I chose mine. Mine was harder. It's harder to become a crook than to yeah, then no, no, does then his brother, That's like, punch amazing. him in the face? Yeah, like, Tuco's, the priest punches him? Yeah, and Tuco socks him back yeah. even harder. Little brothers. And, little bros. Yeah. And, you know, Clint looks on. And, like, you see, like, Clint takes a certain amount of shine to Tuco, even though he just tried to kill him. Like, Clint has some sort of capacity for
0: feeling empathy towards him. That's his main drive for being called the good. Yeah, right. He has empathy. And when he's put in situations where you can either be apathetic or empathetic, he usually goes the latter. He's usually like, all right, I can feel why this is kind of distressing and why this is bad. I get it. Uh, And then we move
1: on to... I think it's the concentration camp. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly right, because that, that's right. the great scene when they're all, they're dressed up in their Confederate gear trying to figure out where the cemetery they're is. They're in the greys, yeah, and, and they see a bunch of... grey guys come in, and, and Tuco's all excited, and, oh, hurrah for, you know, hurrah for the South, hurrah for the Confederacy, and... Uh, you know, God is on our side because he hates the Yanks too and you get that great Clint line. again get just great lines everywhere and Clint's like,
0: God's not on our side because he hates idiots also and the mm-hmm. guy wipes the dust off and he's got blue on. And it's just all the dust has been on them and yeah. they're actually from the Union so they get captured, brought to like this uh, concentration camp kind of thing. POW camp. POW camp and, uh, and uh, they get in there and uh, Tuco's wearing the eye patch. Yep. Yeah. Pretend to be Bill Carson. Pretend to be Bill Carson, and so uh, Angel Eyes hears that name, and he's like, "I, I recognize you. That's Tuco. That's Tuco. That is not Bill Carson. Why are you calling yourself Bill Carson?" Tortures him, gets the information out of him about uh, the, great, the grave, the
1: montage with the with the music in the background, and you know, like that's the cover for them being beat. I love that. Uh and the guy, all the soldiers are crying because they know that that's what's happening. That's in why there. they're
0: doing what yeah. they're doing. You yeah. get
1: a guy play that fiddle, you. What great ADR work on that. Yeah. Play that fiddle, you. More feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he says more feeling, right? Yeah. And I guess he was supposed to say something like, uh, there was a line in the dialogue. I watched like a documentary on it and there was like a line that they couldn't figure out how to get like somebody to say that where it would look enough like something that they could dub English over. Like they really tried hard at this and it's just like, what are you doing? Get somebody who, just get, can, just get somebody who can just say something if you're going to be that close. Like, I don't know. They can do whatever they want. And again, it looks cool. Like yeah. it's it's part of the The charm. The charm of the movie, totally. One hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and then from there, that's when we get into No, the bridge scene is still even after that because this is when they Yeah, get this split is like they they get split up because gets, gets tortured and he Tuko. Oh, gets all right. When when he brings Blondie in and Blondie notices the blood on the floor, you get that the the one good moment between him and Lee Van Cleef right. where uh, he's just like, you're not going to give me the same treatment.
0: And, and Lee's like, oh, would you talk? No, probably not. Mm-hmm. And you he's know, like, just- yeah. So we'll be partners. And he yeah. like, t- starts taking off his conf- uh, his Union uniform, and putting on his like man in black stuff. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to do this together. He's blah blah blah. And deals the same. You just got a new partner. Yeah. And so they give Tuco to the union and they're going to go put him in prison. Yeah. Something like that. He's on a train. He eventually escapes by almost getting his head chopped off. Takes the big guy
1: from the other two movies who's not playing a Mexican this time. He's playing the union soldier. Mm -hmm. I do like, too,
0: that he's uh, he tells him, he's like, you know what I like about big guys? Yeah, They make a lot of noise when they fall. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they don't get back up again. And then he uh, he uses him essentially as like a pillow. Yeah. To fall on when he falls out of the train and just like crushes him and then like bashes his head again against a rock really brutal moment. Yeah, really? Especially since like this is around the time when we're led to be feeling bad for Tuco. Cause like, you know, He's, yeah. we learned about his family history what's been put upon him now he got tortured and like we kind of feel bad for him because he's just he's just like trying to make his way yeah. you know but also at the same time too we always have to keep in mind that like they read off a list his of crimes. his like crimes exactly. and it's like got at least statutory two rape, rape yeah. and like uh, there's all this like yucky stuff but he's but not a good guy he's not a good guy he's ugly but you, you feel sympathetic towards him because the movie ways. is so
1: good at doing yeah. that yeah
0: and so by that when when we finally get to the train scene and and he like pushes the guy off, crushes him and then smashes his head against and the then rock. then puts him under a train so his body can get ripped out of this hand. Really pump. crazy that they went there too. Yeah. Like I was like, all right, they're going to put him on the thing. And like, on I guess the train tracks. will just go over him. Yeah. But then they're just like, no, get a dummy in there. And like. And you see it like. Broom. Pull him away. Yeah. yeah. And just like get left up, gets dragged and then like dropped out the back of the train, like about like, you know, uh, 250 feet over there. Crazy, yeah.
1: That's a why. I mean, Sergio, he's just a madman at this point. He's mm-hmm. just, he's just fully in the pocket, just ready to go. Uh, and that's when you get them split up, and and Tuco finds his way back to Clint and No. Oh, Clint is
0: just looking to get away from Angel Eyes yeah. because uh, uh, he doesn't know where the where the where the, um, where the cemetery is, but
1: he he doesn't know that Tuco's back until he hears Tuco's gun go off, and
0: that's when he's like, Oh, Every I'd rather partner up too. with Tuco, yeah. yeah.
1: And you and you like that scene's great because Tuco's in the bathtub, like some, he takes a some bath. abandoned bathtub. Mm-hmm. The one guy, the one armed guy that he, he almost killed in the first the scene comes yep. back has the great like exposition line where Tuco just shoots him afterwards. He's like, Look, well, if you're gonna shoot, shoot. Don't talk. Yep, great, great line. Uh, and then Clint finds him. Another
0: great line. Finds him. He goes. Take your gun off. Put your pants on. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, awesome. It's good stuff, man. They get together and then they they uh, they go out there and they kill all of uh, Angel Eyes' yep. boys, all one of his guys, and one uh, by one. Find by the one. note. Find the note uh, for idiots, which yeah. is for Tuco. Yeah, it's for you. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that's that's when we get the the bridge. The bridge scene, scene which is so unnecessary, but you. I, it's, that it's, was like the scene when they first start walking into the camp I'm like oh I remember this this is like 20 so minutes long you don't, oh you don't need this you don't need this at all but then by the time you get to the end of it you're like that was fucking fun and they had to blow that bridge up twice you, uh, in the making of it you didn't know it no yeah they built
1: it the radio call Sergio was going to say Vi which means go mm-hmm. and then the Army Corps of Engineers going to blow the bridge Some some PA or something was also on the radios and said Vi-vi, by, for whatever other thing, mm-hmm. they blew the bridge up. They weren't rolling. Oh, shit. Sergio was furious. I fired know. the guy immediately. The guy like left the set in a wreck. Uh, the PA or the, the PA. dude that pushed the button? No, the PA. Oh, and and so the Army Corps of Engineers said, "Hey, hey, 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 we will rebuild the bridge. You just have to hire that guy back on." Mm-hmm. And and he did. They rebuilt the bridge. They reshot it. And, and then, then they he o- fired him. And then they almost killed Clint Eastwood.
0: And then they almost killed Clint.
1: I hope that they. I hope that he fired the PA. Yeah, <laughs> afterwards after they blow up the bridge again. That'd be a baller move. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: He wasn't doing a good job. He wasted a lot of time and money, <laughs> so and almost probably tough. almost could have gotten somebody hurt. Somebody could have been on that yeah, thing. Yeah. So enough. he deserves to be fired. Yeah. Really. I'm okay. not on the PA side at all here. Yeah, I mean, it's just an Italian thing. I don't know. <sighs> well, they're good people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they blow up the bridge. Clint Eastwood almost dies. We have the whole philosophizer. Uh, general guy. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. We got, yeah. who's just like, like, just lays out just straight
1: to the camera. Like war is bad. War bad. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. And we don't want to do this anymore. We, we send people over the bridge to die two times a day. It sucks. Uh, it's just a stupid fucking bridge. Who
0: cares? Yeah. what is it? It's like, they can't, uh, the, the as long as the bridge is there, Right, like, they got to fight over it. They got to fight over it. If the bridge wasn't there, then they could just like shoot cannons if at each other and something. Only like that. someone would
1: take care of this bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he
0: knows what he's doing. Yeah. And then um, he so gets, gets wounded. With
1: the, with the liquor and he's like, you know, he takes a good pull. Or Tuco takes a good pull and he's like, wow, you could make Colonel.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah it's great, great stuff. Yeah. He's like, and he's like, uh, uh The 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 general whatever uh the philosophizer Yeah. he gets wounded in the in the battle that they're fighting at, before they blow up the bridge yeah. and he's just like you know I need to just hang on just long enough like because he, yeah. he knows that bridge up because he knows because Clint Eastwood's like well, stay we'll, alive we'll take care yeah of we'll it. take care of it they blow up the bridge Clint Eastwood almost dies. Uh, so then the, uh, the, the, the the Union just like destroys the Confederates like with cannon fire and stuff yeah. like that, paving the way yeah, for um, uh, Tuco and Blondie to just kind of walk. And that's when we get to – I mean that's the that's Sad Hill is right after yeah, that, that's, right? Yeah, that's
1: the jam, right? Mm-hmm. Which uh, we have a very close connection with Sad Hill. We both have – there's a project to restore that site in Spain and they were having a Kickstarter or some sort of crowdfunding. You give them 20 euros – you get a name on the grave when they restore it, and we both have have grave markers, mm-hmm. and it's it's so cool.
0: It's very cool over there. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put I'll put the pictures up because we both have pictures that they sent us because they're so nice about it. Yeah, I mean like, they're, they're we, great. We emailed them personally, like you give them your information, what you want your name and to they be, send, like a very very like cute email back, like
1: oh good morning, good afternoon, here's the here it is, here's what you did. They, Win- they take a picture, a, yeah.
0: they take a picture of your grave and what it is, and. uh... Then they show you like uh, like there's like a diagram of yeah, where it is chart. in yeah. the in the seating chart of it like this is where it is and shout it, out to the Sad Hill Historical Society. I know that they have a uh, the they have a website. They have a website and they have uh, like a documentary coming out yeah. that came out earlier this year in February, but yeah. it's waiting for a wide release called uh, Sad Hill Unearthed. Yeah, I was really excited to try and watch that before this, but it's just like it's not available Sorry to anywhere. Find it. Yeah. Um, but that's really cool. We have a whole uh, plan to uh try and get over to Spain at some point and uh and, and visit the, our graves before they just like weather away. I don't know. Right. I mean, or I think that wood. they I think that they got like a real decent amount of like money for yeah. to like upkeep this thing and I think what they're trying to do is like build a little bit more around it as well and kind of make it like an attraction. Yeah. without kind of taking away the land and how it looks around it.
1: And I think there is a little bit of an industry for that cuz it sounds like the that ramshackle town that Tuco's in at the beginning I Mm -hmm. guess is also the same town from Once Upon a Time in the West oh okay I think and it's just like different different shots I think that's like a theme park uh, over there so I think that there might be a certain amount of precedent to have you know, these, these old sets
0: restored. Right. I mean, Cause that's just like, I mean, sad Hill is just like such a specific looking yeah. set. Like you, you're like that's exactly from that movie. Right. Like nobody else can use that. Right. And, and you know, so then that's when we get into the ecstasy of
1: gold. Uh, the name of the song, the name of the scene, mm-hmm. with Tuco running, just running through. around, and Leone just going fucking and crazy. Or just like put it up on, you know, put it up to twenty. The yeah. music just it, like there's a reason why Nike reuses that all the time for commercials. A reason why everyone reuses that song because mm-hmm. it's it's amazing. It gets you going. It just goes like putting it up to twenty is like the perfect way to put yeah. it. that is just it's like just it epic, goes operatic almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and you get that scene, and then from there on, you're just strapped in. You know, like, it's just – like, that is – for all of the shit that the movie puts you through and watching these scenes that are sometimes really boring and, like, having to just sit through them, like, you are so glad you have done it because you've invested time to Mm -hmm. get this payoff. You, like – the movie doesn't earn anything you have to earn the ending right. by by sitting there
0: yeah and all of like the the quiet like tense moments like they're they're made for building tension right. so that when what is exciting does happen like you really feel it right and the whole movie is tension and release in much Throughout smaller the
1: uh, peaks until you and like in a uh, just a gradual like tension, release, tension, release, and now you get and to then the you get huge the big mountain. finale like yeah. the big,
0: like the fireworks all going off yeah. at once. It's right. like there's that that quiet where you're like, there's no fireworks for like 10 seconds. You're like, is it over? They find the grave, is it over? Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. And that's the uh, they find the grave, or or so they think, They're so they think. And Clint has said, like, oh, it's this because he well, told them the name there first because he tucco, told them the name, yeah, yeah. yeah they and told they them the to name, them up. and uh. The arch, Arch Stanton, Arch Stanton, and he finds it. And it's just got starts a dead digging it, it up, it. and it's just got a dead person in it. And then that's when uh, Angel Eyes shows up, right? Well, no, actually, no, 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 because no, he started no, first. To they dig, get the yeah, they get,
1: and then you get this silhouette of a shovel just in the scene, and it goes in front of Tuco, and he realizes that Clint snuck up on him mm-hmm. with a shovel, and he goes, to "Go faster with this." And they dig it up and he still just sees a skeleton. He goes, what do you mean? You lied to me? Like Tuco's – every time Tuco's upset with someone double-crossing him, mm-hmm. it's like completely uh, foreign to him, the idea that someone might double-cross him. Yeah, he's just like, what are you talking rat. about? Yeah. I'm the – well,
0: well, I'm such a good friend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, you know, you only get like a couple seconds before Angel Eye's own shovel comes sliding in. You know, it'll be te- easier if both of you dig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when you get the reveal that nobody's in there and Clint's had this whole thing rigged from the start. I guess you don't know that quite yet. Quite yet, uh, yeah. But then, so but he's were, a, he's a
0: brat. He is, he's a little, he's a little, a, he's a he's little he's, trickster. He's, yeah, he's like a little, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I write, gotcha. Uh, let, let me, let me write the real. Wouldn't that be great if instead of like, you know, his classic like growl, like he just had this like really <laughs> kind of like, yeah, this little like, uh, like, uh, like the, f- the fiddle demon laugh, <laughs> you know, just like. <laughs> 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 like that'd be, just like Clint Eastwood's face looking exactly like he is, talks yeah. like he is, but he's just like. <laughs> Thought there were bullets in there, didn't you?
1: <laughs> so yeah, then he goes. He puts the stone down with the name written under it in the middle of this uh this circular field that you know started with a few dollars more. You know the idea of having a circle, a circle of gunfight. They go walk off to their respective thirds, and then it's just the real meat and potatoes. Just the the music again comes back. And it's just eyes, hands, eyes, hands, back and forth. You notice that Lee Van Cleef is missing a digit on his, uh, I think his middle finger. Mm. It's very weird. I think it was, uh, it was like a carpentry accident or something. Oh. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Just like Jesse James. Just like, just, yeah, just like it. Nice. Um. And yeah, just the tension, the tension is just ratcheting up and then just boom. Yep. Yeah. And Van Cleef goes down. Yep. And angelized. then you see, you see Tuco trying to like shoot He's like, his gun still. Yeah. He can't do it. Yep. And Clint gives him the, the Clint squint and just keeps walking forward, mm-hmm. shoots the hat into the grave, shoots the gun into the grave. And then Tuco realizes that his gun's not even loaded. Mm-hmm. Like, when'd you unload it? And, that, and that's like the perfect plan because it's just like Clint had the whole deck rigged from the start. Yep. He knows that. Angel Eyes is going to go for Tuco. Uh, and, and
0: even if he doesn't, like, it's at least now 50-50 instead right. of a one-on-one right. kind of thing. It's like, yeah, right. it's like if I was in just a standoff with this guy alone, I know he's going to try and shoot at me. This just works in my favor. He might shoot at me. He might shoot at him. Who knows? And Tuco is
1: going to go for Angel Eyes because, you know, Tuco... Got beaten by Angel Eyes. He's, you know, he's only been double-crossed by Clint. He's, he's not, he wasn't beaten by that, mm-hmm. Uh, like beaten to death almost. I
0: mean, I guess it isn't really even staged where it's like kind of obvious that both Blondie and Tuco are going to go for Angel Eyes. Like he's, when they first separate into that yeah. circle, he's in the middle. Right. He true. kind of centers himself in the middle between them and he's looking back at both of them and, you know, they're all looking at each other, but it seems that. You know, Tuco's really kind of keeping his eyes on Angel Eyes, but he's like, what the fuck is Blondie going to shoot me? Like, what's going to happen? Like, But also now Blondie doesn't have to worry about an opportunistic shot by Tuco after the fact, after he kills Angel Eyes Mm -hmm. with the gun unloaded. Yes. So it's a very good scene. Like it's loaded and, you know, it's after the fact and you've seen it and you can kind of like take it apart and dissect it and discuss it. It's interesting to like consider and talk about, but it's also like in the, like I said earlier, like in that tension building quietness, you know, stillness, I should rather say beforehand, like you're invited to consider not only, not only like who's going to shoot who, but do they even know who they're going to shoot, Mm. you know? It's like you're invited to contemplate the contemplations of these characters as the music is getting more and more tense. And you're like, am I going to have time to think about this? Like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, I don't even know. You get so overwhelmed. And then it, like you said, boom, it yeah. happens. And, you know, just
1: the to never be able to see that for the first time again is such a bummer. Yeah, because it that is I remember seeing that for the first time and just being like, <laughs> oh, my God, it yeah. is,
0: it's it's amazing. It's like uh, it's uh the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark, with the with the ark being opened, is one of those scenes where it's like, remember the first time you saw that? You had no idea what was gonna happen, and you're just like, what's gonna happen when they open this ark? And the last thing you would have expected is that the guys become like stop motion, like melting pots. <laughs> like, you're like what the. F- it's one of those things, yeah, it's like, I, I wish that I could go back in time and, and watch that, something like that for the first time again, and the 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 standoff at the end of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is definitely one of on those. That list, yeah. Yeah, and then you get that great thing where, you know, Tuco, so
1: it, they reveal that it's an unmarked grave next to Arch Stanton. they dig it up, he sees all the gold, Tuco's stoked, and then you get that, that like, slow uh, zoom out of Tuco being framed in the noose again, and he sees the nooses hanging from the tree, and he goes, ah, oh, shit, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, this is a joke Blondie makes him stand up there thinks he's gonna like maybe just gonna let him die mm-hmm. and then he gets way the fuck out and pulls out pulls out the rifle and shoots him down mm-hmm. you get that great scene of Tuco just swearing him off and that's how the movie ends
0: yeah and he's just like he falls he's like ah the ugly yeah and then, and then the you, bad get, and yeah. it's just Van Cleef's dead body little, in the, the, gar-
1: the cursive so good yeah uh, ha yeah, yeah, yeah it's perfect. great
0: stuff man um And then, uh, I mean, so that, that's like a perfect, like kind of Clint rides off into the sunset. He's got a shit ton of money. Yeah. And that kind of brings us, uh, that can bring us directly into talking about. Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Yeah. Um, 1992. uh, Great little drama, Western took home best picture, best director, best supporting actor. Uh Looks great. Looks great. Really good. Like, I think I described it like a really good dessert course after yeah. this trilogy and Yojimbo kind of thing. And, uh, you know, Unforgiven also, you know, we'll touch on this very briefly because we weren't able to track down a copy of it. But Unforgiven was actually remade into a Japanese movie with Ken Watanabe. Oh, man, that's, that's great. Which is great because it's just like this kind of full circle thing from Yojimbo back to this. And it's like a... So once we can finally get our hands on a copy of that, we'll, we'll come back and, yeah, we'll, and, and we'll, we'll talk trash about that. Um, trash in just like the yeah, neutral good, way, not good, like yeah, that. Right? Yeah. We're going to talk that, talk that shit. Yeah. Um, but uh, Unforgiven, like as a film on its own, is just like a really good proto neo-Western type thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the same way, like they make neo-noirs and stuff that kind of comment on like, well, it's a different time now. It's yeah. a different age, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a... The, the the movie is very much like a meditation on the the demystification of what westerns are in american culture and what we look back on them and what it was really like back then and and uh, the overglorification of violence and like the actual toll that it takes on people and stuff it's a it's a very uh, smart and energetic and fun movie. You know, it's, it's very dark at times. It's very light at times. It's a uh, very well balanced for like its quick, like two hour runtime. Uh, we just watched it before jumping onto this episode. Um, it's just like a, I, like, what, where do you stand on unforgiven? Cause for me, before even watching it today, I look back on it with like, really good thoughts like yeah. it's one of my favorite movies to like just kind of throw on and watch like it's it's just easy it's got a great ending it's got a really a bunch of great lines great yeah. scenes
1: i'd i'd say like the good the bad the ugly is my favorite movie but unforgiven is one of the best movies that i've seen you know mm-hmm. in that you know it doesn't it's not as charming although it is it is a very good movie it's very fun to watch it's great but it's not it doesn't have the same sort of charm that i really gravitate to because it's it's serious.
0: It's not fun. And, yeah.
1: It's it's this sucks.
0: It's not like a jaunt, you know yeah. like good, the bad and the ugly for all of like the kind of darkness that they talk about. Like it really is kind of like this fun, whimsical Yeah, it's exciting. It's an and, adventure that yeah, pumps you up. Yeah. This is very much more of a uh a mission this yeah. is more of like uh like the the, the the what the characters are doing is very serious and it's a hell of a what, thing to kill a man yeah and what the filmmakers the writer and the director what they're trying to do Clint Eastwood directs this one mm-hmm. uh what they're trying to say about westerns and about violence is very um you know it, it, it's a little provocative it's a little like they're they're kind of saying they're like you know a lot of people are bad but not all bad people are like really bad guys down to their bones but some of them are and like how do they deal with that you know the entire idea of like addiction and stuff like that is like really interesting in the terms of not even just liquor or anything like that but just the being lifestyle like addicted to the lifestyle and just knowing that can someone really change can yeah and, and then as much as they want to change is it is it always there inside their head like and that's We were talking about some of Clint Eastwood's like delivery of some of his lines in this movie are a little eye rolling. And I think it's, it's that thing when like an actor is. An, uh, an actor is playing a character who is acting yeah they kind of like bring it back a little bit kind of like and i use as an example like tim roth and reservoir dogs when he first gets the script that he's trying to like you know memorize to be able to get in with the with the gang you know at first he starts off and it's just all these kind of over exaggerations like how a person who's not an actor thinks actors act yeah and this is william money like trying to say like Oh, no, Claudia, my wife changed me. Like yeah. I, She she got me off the whiskey. That was what did it. It was the whiskey. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I used to beat. like, he always blames the whiskey. Yeah. He's like, he's oh, back be when I was, I'd be whiskeyed up and I'd be mean to animals and stuff like that, all of that stuff. And it's like, he's blaming everything but himself. Right. And he doesn't want to admit that he loves killing people mm-hmm. because he's good at it. Yeah. yeah. And by the end of the movie, you know, it's like his arc is that he comes to understand that Maybe it is inside of him and that he's the only one to blame and that he's the one that's at fault and he's the one that has to control it. And you think like, that's it. He's he's learned his lesson and he's good. And then right, we'll get there. And, like, and his life as a mud farmer isn't something he can do. He's not good at it. Yeah. No. I mean, and he's not good at that. And also now that he's trying to come back into this life, he's finding that he's really not that good at it either because like maybe it was the whiskey that made him good at that. Like the fact that he was able to numb himself to everything that he was doing and be able to acclimate like guy can't even get on a horse. Yeah. Right.
1: He's he's, He's a He looks very old. Yes, you he know, does. He just, just does Well, he is Clint Eastwood right. in 1992, right. so yeah, he's, he's, he's old. old. But, you know, he feels it. Like, you know, he's not spry. He he can't get up on a horse. He's falling over trying to fix these pigs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just living a rugged lifestyle out here trying to forget that he was
0: ever a killer. Yeah, this is like the birth of like the old curmudgeon. Yeah. Uh, uh, Clint Eastwood. Like, because before this, you know, he had... You know, he had like a a couple of the of the older dead uh, of the older um, Dirty Harry's such as like Deadpool, the Deadpool and, uh, you know, in the line of uh, in the line of fire where like his age is like a big factor in that. But he's. He's not really a curmudgeon in yeah, that movie too much. But in this one, he's like... Right. And then, like, you know, from this, you start going into, like, million-dollar baby shit where yeah. he's just, like, a big grump. Or you get Gran, Gran Torino, which we've been talking about a lot the past couple of days, which is just, like... Old man, uh, get off my lawn. It's a, it's an adaptation of uh, the, the classic joke of an old man on a porch saying, get off my lawn with a shotgun. It's the dark, gritty reboot of that joke. <laughs> and it's it, it, I really like Gran Torino. I told you, I saw that. In a movie theater where it was like me, my friend who is also a white man. And then it was pretty much just nothing else but minorities yeah. in this packed theater. And everybody was laughing their asses off. I still maintain and attest to this day. And yes, I'm going to say it on the mic. Oh, wow. When he rolls up. When Clint Eastwood rolls up in his car and starts talking to the, 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 the three black guys who are kind of bullying the, uh, like the white, like the white ghetto dress. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, yeah. You know? Uh, and he's, he says, what are you spooks up to? It is like, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that saying words like that are good at all. But in the context of this movie, it really kind of takes racism and bigotry and puts it on the, on the, on like the podium that it, deserves to be on where everybody can look at it and see it for what it really is and it's just like this ignorant weakness yeah and it's like as you slowly get acclimated into the movie of him just saying all of these he's got some Terrible. for everybody yeah. anybody he bumps into uh, you even women lot. he's just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like you get to they do it to such an aggressive extreme where like you 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 have to kind of laugh at it to like try and like get through it. Yeah. And you know, it's just so intense. If you were to take every single one of these as a, as a slap to the face, it would be so intense. It'd be too intense. And that's, I think that that's the ballsy move of the movie because racism is a very touchy subject to deal with and to create a movie that's really kind of dealing with the idea of like, where does racism come from? What does it get you? What does it do to the people that are racist and the people that are being like having the racism directed towards them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very interesting. And I, I remember, I think back to that screening all the time and everybody was just laughing their asses off at every racist joke or slur that came out of Clint Eastwood's mouth because like, you're not supposed to like this guy, but he's Clint Eastwood and he's He's like an American icon. People like this guy. He's known to be a grumpy guy in his later years, but you're like, he he directed this movie as well and cast himself as that, and I think that he probably wouldn't have been comfortable hiring another actor and making another actor do, do all this. of that, and I think that that's another angle on it that I respect the movie a lot, and I think that, you know, Clint's a little he's a little uh, scandalous in his old yeah. age and some of his opinions and everything, but I think uh, for the most part, like, he's a very talented uh, director even if, like, you know, his past couple films and stuff you know as he's getting older like i mean the dude's got to be like in his 80s at this point something like that yeah. it's just like you know he's getting older and he's kind of losing that touch yeah um which is unfortunate because i i happen to think like things like unforgiven or the outlaw Josie Wales or even million dollar baby is a very good looking movie yeah he also did mystic river too yeah which is like a lot of fun love me some clint eastwood he's great i mean what letters from iwo jima it's beautiful. Uh, flags of Our Fathers. Yeah. Uh, the, the double one. That's a that, That's a crazy thing for him to do. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do a World War II movie from America's Both point sides. of view and from Japan's point of view and check that out. Yeah. I've actually, when I was in the military, we uh, circled Iwo Jima for a day uh-huh. and we didn't get to go on it, which sucked, but um, uh, that, that's a... To know the story of what happened there and then to actually see the size of the thing and how small it is, you're just like, oh my God, that must have been so fucking crazy to do this shit in the middle of the ocean. Like it's, it's one of those things like you you see the Grand Canyon and Mm -hmm. only when you see it with your own eyes and you're right there, you you go, that's big. That's very big. Yeah. It's like Iwo Jim was like, that's small. That is a very small island. There's not a lot of space on that for a bunch of people to fight each other. That's crazy. Good director, like him. Unforgiven, probably his best movie. Yeah. Best directed movie. Yeah. Uh, Probably one of his top five performances, if you had to really get down to it. Definitely, probably his best performance of his later years, 90 and on. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Gran Torino, he's very good in. Yes. He holds that character down. Uh,
1: You got to take points away for that song at the end. He sounds pretty scratchy. Not a good performance singing anymore.
0: Oh, and he's singing at the end of Gran Torino? Gran Torino. Oh, well, I mean, he's they had to make a hit. That was yeah. when all song, all movies had to have like some superstar and it's like, I'll sing it. Yeah. Get off my line.
1: <laughs> well, this was a visual podcast. That's a good face.
0: Uh, action. Oh, no. What does he say? Action. I think he just says go, does he? He says accione, the <laughs> little fucker. No, I watched a I watched Wasn't a it? making of okay. a Midsummer in the uh summer in the Garden of Good and Evil in the Garden of Good and Evil uh-huh. Midsummer in the Garden of Good and Evil. Stop it. Um, wait, is it Midsummer in the Garden of Good and Evil? Summer in the Garden of Good and Evil? In know. the Garden of Good and Evil is the name of the movie. God, um, I watched a documentary of him of the behind the scenes thing, and somebody asks 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 him like, "Do you say action?" And he's like, oh, "Sometimes. I mean, sometimes I'll say you know, like, all right." Yeah, no, that's the thing. Or I'll be like, thing. that, or I'll say, you know, accione. Like, he says it like a joke, and then they show him saying accione on set, like, ten times. Like, that's what he says. He's just embarrassed that that's what he says. No,
1: because I've heard a, a couch story from, I want to say Tom Hanks, but I don't think he's directed Tom Hanks. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, Sully. Oh,
1: oh, yes, that yes. is. That. Yeah, it, no, because Tom Hanks was saying he would just, like, he'd be surprised because Clinice would just look at him and go, like, all right, go ahead now.
0: Yeah, okay. I guess that's I guess that's probably, like, in his later years, too. Like, yeah. this is mid-90s, he was okay, doing that, so, like, 20 years later, he's like, Haven't got all day, Tom. Yeah, haven't got all day, Tom. <laughs> I gotta go home and eat my yogurt. It's good for ya. Unforgiven. I crap bigger than you.
1: Unforgiven?
0: Unforgiven. Well, I was invoking City Slickers, but yeah. that's another podcast. Okay. All right. Yeah, when we watch the Ken Watanabe Unforgiven, we'll also watch City, City Slickers. Slickers and City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. Wow. And we will uh and we'll we'll end on Unforgiven with those <laughs> ones. <laughs> or and we could also throw three amigos in there. Fuck it, we'll get another five movies. Why not? Another five westerns. An epic. Uh Unforgiven. Uh some we'll call it a masterpiece. Uh, I would agree. I think that uh, what this movie is, you really couldn't, you really could not make it any better in any way than how they gave it to you. They they cast like Gene Hackman is on fire. Oh, he's amazing. Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman in it up. Yeah. Um, Even all the side characters, the kids like, you know, he's like, he's a twerp. He's a, he's a shit. Yeah, the Schofield. He doesn't kid. know shit yeah. shit. yeah.
1: And um He plays that well and then he disappears. I don't know what else he's in. Off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: Like uh that might be like a tragic a tragic story Maybe. Or something there. Uh and it looks great. It was another thing I was talking about with uh, you know, the lenses and like the wide and the close. Yeah. With this, it's like when they're outside, they use these big wide uh lenses to be able to like really take everything in. And then when they're inside, everything is lit. Very dark. Yeah. So that it's almost as if I, I think it was Roger Ebert said it or somebody said it in a, in a review where they were like, it's almost as if, um, like the decent times aren't fit for these people. Like they're, they can only exist. They can the only night. exist in these, in these like dark moments and these sprawling in the atmospheres. Yeah. And when they're inside, it's just, like, all the shadows and everything all over them. So and it's, it was
1: heavily shaded.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, Clint is always heavily shaded, and Gene is always heavily shaded, and Morgan, my friends, Gene, Morgan, and yeah, Clint. Yeah, right. Uh, like, they're always heavily shaded when they're on the inside, uh, but everybody else is kind of well-lit a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, these people, these uh, these fossils from this well, old Well, yeah, West. and it gives them that sort of mythic
1: boogeyman feel, exactly. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you had me watch... Uh, the assassination of Jesse James with Coward Robert Ford. Uh, it's a long name, yeah. Yes, almost as long as a movie. Um, it's a good movie, though. It, so, Unforgiven is about killing your heroes in a way, like killing the myth. Assassination
0: of Jesse James is no, literally kill your heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, Jesse James has that great line in that movie where he's like, I don't know if you want to be like me or if you want to be me. Yeah. And, you know, it's a normal line for somebody to say, but when you really take into context what he's talking about, that is very much what, what Robert Ford was trying to do, whether or not that's what actually happened in real life in the movie. That's very much like he thought that if he killed Jesse James, that he would like, you know, suck his power and his, and his fame off of him. But then everybody like saw him as just the dude that killed Jesse James, this guy that everybody liked Yeah, and he just became this asshole. Uh, great score by Nick Cave and Warren else too it's it's a fantastic film I love it I think it's you know it's very long but in the same way that we talked about The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly it makes you You earn a lot of things and then by the time you get to the point where like the big twist happens halfway through you're like oh what's the rest of this movie going to be about and then you find out what it's about and you're like this is like really insane and all these characters that were introduced earlier played by really great actors like Jeremy Renner and Sam Rockwell like really great actors that were kind of just little bit parts in the beginning all of a sudden now their characters are becoming bigger, bigger. and fuller and they are really you're really able to see like why did they get Sam Rockwell to do like this really small the part and you're like dude. oh yeah. cuz they needed him to do that right yeah. Yeah. um but unforgiven yeah uh definitely both movies deal with the demystification of the western and the violence that we talked about um and then i love though in unforgiven like it's we get to that ending which is, like, I said out loud while we were watching, I was like, this has got to be one of the best third acts ever. Like, this is just, like... Again, you're strapped in. Yeah, you're yeah. like you see them waiting by that tree, you get that and you see the you see speech. the you see the whore coming out with yeah. the you know respectfully. That's her Respect, job yeah, title. That's, 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 that's she's like, a whore. Yeah. Yeah. She can do whatever she wants. She's coming out on the horse, and um, well, she can't do whatever she wants because some certain amount of indentured
1: servitude. I guess that's it. true. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah, yeah at the end of the day, not, but like that's her yeah. job title. Yeah, that's job, you know, job like, title. It's, the, like,
0: you make the fries at McDonald's. You're, you're a fry cook. Yeah. And you see her coming out and. If you've seen the movie before, like we have countless times, you go, here it is. Yeah. This is the buildup. This is the this is the shot of the hand, shot of the eye, shot of the hand, shot of the eyes, closer, 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 before, until he picks up that bottle and just starts drinking it and taking it down. And then he's like, gets the, gets the guy. guy's gun. Yep. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. And he just rides into town. It's raining out of nowhere. Get- I don't care. Like, it just starts raining out of nowhere. Well, you
1: get that great meditative speech, too, about death. That really lays it all out there. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, you know, death is not He's saying,
0: like, what he's learned. Yeah. The kid is like, I
1: can't believe I killed a man. I took away everything he's ever had. And he goes, yeah, the hell of a thing killing somebody. Yeah. You take Mm -hmm. away
0: everything they've ever had and everything they're going to have. Yeah. And it's it's in that moment, uh, Clint East, William Money's arc comes to a peak where it's like he's learned the lesson that the movie had set out to teach him where he understands that he needs to take responsibility for the things that he's done and not blame them on other things. If he's ever going to move on and he understands that. And now it's It's his job to figure out how to, how to deal with it. And right there in that moment of revelation, the very thing that, you know, Morgan Freeman, uh, Ned had been trying to teach him the whole movie to be able to let go and just move on. He finally gets it, and then he finds out that Ned is dead. yeah, and that Gene Hackman has murdered him and put his body on display for all to see in a, in a, in a show of mockery, yeah, um because he knew that if he did that, money would come for him. Like he knew that that's what would happen if yeah. he did that. And you just have one more, like and he just goes on one more ride. yep, just, and yeah. he's just like he he he, 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 he th- he's like, I have accepted that this is a part of me. Now I need to learn how to deal with it and move on and become a better person. Mm -hmm. Then this happened. He goes, well, I did just admit that this is a part of me. I'll do that tomorrow. And he goes in there and he's like, and I mean, he also has to go in there, not just for revenge, but uh, they know who he is now. Yeah. Because Ned, for all of his trying and effort by the end of it, was not able to make it and said, like, is William money? This is where he farms. That's where he is. So like they're going to set out tomorrow to go get him. He's got to kill these guys and keep him. Otherwise they're going to go over there and they're going to get his kids. And God knows what they'll do to his kids. If They did that to Ned. Who's like yeah. a sweetheart. Yeah. You know, who cares what he did before? Ned was a sweetheart. In you the movie,
1: f- he didn't do anything wrong besides nothing wrong. take
0: some free ones from, from the, the they, horse. They took some free ones and, they, you know, that's their job. If like, you know, a bartender wants to slip you a Corona, <laughs> like it's not, it's not like Ugh. against the rules yeah, for you to take it, you know, yeah. like it's just, you know. Isn't that Slipper the Corona? Slipper the Corona. Slipper the Corona. Yeah. You know, go up there, get a free one. Slipper the Corona. Yeah. All right. Or I guess she slipped him the Corona. Right. Yeah. They're not going to say no. The Uh, West was wild, baby. Well,
1: and you know, so this is, you get some interesting stuff with the horse in that the. The lead, the, she's the hen of them, basically, mm-hmm. and the the a really what's her like, name?
0: She's got a great name. It's like uh, uh, s- no. like Samantha Strawberry, or Strawberry Anne, Strawberry. No, Strawberry Anne is a is a different character, yeah, right? It is strawberry something. Uh, I got it right here. Uh, strawberry Alice.
1: Strawberry Alice is the yeah. main the main one, and then the what's the the sweet one? The one that gets cut. Which, That's Delilah. Delilah. So Delilah gets cut. She's obviously very upset by it, but you know the. Two ranchers. The one is the Slim, the name's is the kid, his name is Slim, he feels very bad for what his partner does. His partner just seems to be yeah. an unrepentant asshole. Yeah, because he's just like a meanie. Right. But the, the kid really tries hard to give him a give her a horse on
0: her behalf. To to try and make amends to right. the sake. Like he doesn't think this is gonna fix everything, but he's just like, I'm so sorry. Right. But you know, you get these problems where you
1: have uh Strawberry Alice, uh you know, being the head of this group of oppressed people because they're the whores, they have to stick together. Yeah, she's the heather of the group. Yeah, and and she has, she has to be in her eyes. She has to go down hard and kill these guys. Yeah, because that's their honor. But Delilah, the actual person receiving of this trauma just would rather just move on right you know she, and she has no agency unfortunately because mm-hmm. she just, and
0: she's very upset about the whole situation that right. these guys are coming out here to kill these people and yeah. then they might get killed as well and now they are getting killed and everybody's yeah. getting killed and she's on like her behalf Ugh. and it's just it. you know she's already been cut she just wants to move on with her life yeah, but also at the, the same horse. time with Strawberry Alice you can understand where she's coming from like, you know, like she's, she's acting like an asshole but you're like no one else is gonna stick up for these girls right. and she kind of thinks is like her as the eldest which I uh, that's what it looks like. Yeah. It looks like she's the one she's the, that's, she's the that's been there the longest yeah. and she's taking care of them. And if nobody's going to stand up for them, like she who is. else but her, you right. know? And so she kind of just uh, gets a little overzealous with it and is just like all or nothing. No, yeah. you know? And, and, and when you have little Bill, he
1: always, you know, um, undermines them. Always. You know, it's like he doesn't take them seriously.
0: He's very paternalistic. It's, you know, like, look, he gave you some horses. I mean, he's like all all of the men in the movie with the – I mean, even Clay. All the men in the movie are very misogynistic towards women. I mean, that's just kind of the place and time of the movie. And, you know, I was talking – when we were watching the movie, I was kind of like, the movie is really as, like, feminist as it can possibly be while maintaining itself in the reality of right. what they're the, talking what the about. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, the good guys are are a little bit more respectful right. to them, but they're not, like, You're treating not them like that. human beings yeah. or anything, but even, like, you know... They
1: even say in the beginning, the property. You damaged my property. How am yeah. I going to make this money? I paid for my property to come out from the East Coast to this whorehouse. Right. And How these are all these, money like, money ranchers
0: up? and shitheads in yeah. Big Whiskey. I mean, and but, like, Claudia uh, like the wife the dead wife the nolan wife yeah. is like you know looked upon as like this kind of overwatchful Angel. goddess yeah like where yeah. it's like you know this is the woman that was able to break him away from like the demon of of, of his Which own is life
1: problematic in itself that yes. you need to have a
0: woman to to make you be the better like not right. a shithead yeah. and that's the whole thing it's like it's not that it's not that the woman n- was needed to make him not a That's not at least my he read just, on he it. Used her. He used, he uses her. the uh, memory of her to symbolize, like, look how I've changed. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, you know, he got old. He probably couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. He fell in love with this girl. She maybe sparked something in him that made him want to be a better man, you know, the whole, yeah. as good as it gets, Jack Nicholson kind uh-huh, of thing. Uh-huh. You know, and it's just like, it's good enough, uh, but it's not really the truth. As we discover at the end, because, you know, it's just kind of like, what would Claudia think if she saw you doing this right now wow. when they go out to do it? And then he actually goes up there and he just like murders like an entire bar. Of people.
1: Yeah. And
0: like, I mean, the whole
1: movie is very it's great in that it shows uh, they talk about the luck involved in all of this and and how, you know, in, in The Good, the Bad and the Ugly, you have cleaning Switch shooting ropes. You have him like, you know, these amazing feats of marksmanship. And most of the time. You have uh, little Bill talking about like, look, that's not how it happened. Uh, That you have English Bob come in and English Bob's Mm -hmm. got the story about how he he pulled out his gun and shot this guy down on a bar. And it was this crazy, you know, what a daring, daring fight this was. And Bob tells the story or little Bill tells the story about uh, look at the guy was drunk. Bob took a cheap shot at him first. The guy was so scared. He shot his foot off and then his gun jammed and blew his hand up. And then Bob just killed him in cold blood. Shot him in the liver. Yeah. Yeah. It's like,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's I also like your read too, I want to make sure we get this in here oh. about the the possibility that English Bob might actually like be he's from not like Tennessee any, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like he's not, not English. English. Because at some point well first off he's a liar. We know yeah. that. He's he's a uh he's a storyteller. Yeah, and
1: then you said you caught him, he says uh when he first gets uh jumped by a little Bill in the town. And he's got guns all over him. He comes out and he says, "Oh, little Bill, I thought you was." Er, er, oh, little Bill, I thought you was. And then he go, "Oh, I thought you were dead." You, yeah. Like he has just a little tiny slip that yep. gives a certain. And then amount the next line prevention. too,
0: he's about to say "fucking," but then he says "bloody." Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, "Have a bloody, have a bloody good time." Like yeah. He stumbles on "bloody" as well when he's all shook up, and then you see he like Richard Harris actually like changes his demeanor. Like, okay, I'm comfortable again now. Mm-hmm. The shock is worn off. I'm Give back in character. character. I got this. I think that's a really interesting read. That, you know, I think
1: there's plenty of people in that time where you could just you could just be a con artist and make up a story about yourself. Fuck yeah! I mean that's yeah. what he's
0: doing. Yeah, yeah, the duck of Death.
1: Yeah, like yeah, if he's the Duke of Death, what else is he lying about? Exactly. Yeah. I
0: think that that's an interesting, super interesting read, and I will take that with me for the rest of wow. for the rest of my life as I watch Unforgiven. I'll be like, that's uh, English. Bob is not English. That is all from because like. Like do English people really talk about being English that much? And talk about the Queen, and yeah, he's just I'd talking never, about being English. I'd never be able to
1: shoot the Queen because she's so uh, she's so regal, mm-hmm. and which is interesting too, though, because that like all this stuff. It's great in how much doves get picked up in the end because you know uh, Lil Bill talks about how the only reason why uh, the the guy died in the, in the shoot against Bob is that he was too fast and he wasn't thinking straight. Yep, uh, and. Clint would in the end shootout, thinks straight. He's He's been in this enough times. Mm-hmm. He kills one guy, his gun jams, he throws the gun, and just has composure to line up shot one, two. Shots are going off because everyone's scared and just shooting and above just shooting him. shooting all over, yeah. But then he's walking out of the bar, and a guy's got a gun level on him, and he can't shoot him because he's too regal. Yeah. He's too, yeah. you know, it's yeah. great how it comes
0: back. Well, and that's also like the same thing where he's like – uh he as he's like what everybody else in the bar, he's just like, if anybody wants to live, girl. Right. They could easily kill him. Just one person easily. Needs to shoot him. He just shot five times from a six. Right. Who else is he gonna gun. shoot? Like there's like twenty of them and it's like they all leave because they're just like I'm not fucking with this, and this was what I was building up to. Like when he, the whole movie deals with the demystification of the Western hero, and that these people are actually very violent individuals, and they probably lived very bad older lives if they even made it to that age. And then the ending gives you, but this motherfucker's got it, and he just walks. It's still Clint Eastwood, and he walks in there, and he's the, the, the the dog knows all the old tricks, yeah, and he goes in there, and he just takes everybody out. And with a little bit of that luck in there yeah. too, where it's just like he gets whisked up and then he's just loose. And he's just like, he's got that amazing line where uh, Little Bill tries to throw him off and he's just like, oh, this here's William Money, killer of women and children. And he's like, he's got a gun aimed right on him. He's like, that's right. I killed women and children. I've killed, I've killed babies. Anything killed that's, crawled, that's walked, walked or crawled. Uh, and now I'm here to kill you for what you've done to Ned. It's like great last, like... Here we go. Yep. What's going to happen? And uh, first, of course, he shoots the. He shoots shoots the, Greeley. The, yeah. No, the, no not Greeley. Skinny. Skinny, the, the guy who owns the bar. And he's, he just shot an unarmed man. And he he's like, armed himself. Before he decorated his bar with my friends. Yep. Yeah. It's great. like great, great, great shit. The uh, the writer is like super impressed with him after he kills uh, all the people. And then he goes over and he kills little Bill. Well, yeah, the writer's trying because the writer's such a worm the whole time. He's just a little, worm, yeah. yeah just... Got a great scene with little Bill, like which is more of little Bill's scene, yeah. But he's got like great moments in that that we were talking about, where it's like the whole Richard Harris, you know, uh, English Bob, and the writer, W www. or whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, and and little Bill, like their whole set piece, like for about fifteen minutes of the movie, is like a lot of fun because like they all stand for like these different things and you're yeah, the, really learning more about little bill. Like we were talking about this time, like watching it and we're like, it really does kind of feel like little, if you haven't seen this movie, it feels like little bill is the good guy. Yeah. And that like maybe him and Clint Eastwood are going to team up at some point to like try and like bring these guys in, in. Yeah. But then you, once he beats English Bob kind of aggressively and the music rises and you see the anger come out of him. Yeah. The very anger that Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman are trying to keep down from yeah. like their old days. You see that he's very quick to like, throw it out there and then when he sees the writers impressed with it he becomes proud of it and it's you know the pride Mm. comes before the fall kind of thing very very interesting stuff very cool character dynamics for these two characters that really only share two scenes in the entire movie when little bill beats him up and when he kills and when when he comes back and he kills kills him in the same bar yeah like, and that's insane. You
1: know, you had a good take in that uh, you have basically one who's proud of their actions and the other who is just trying to forget. And, you know, you do get the sense when little Bill is talking about anything, he, he is the quarterback and he's 40 now. But he's talking about the time
0: he used to go to states. Yeah, you know, he's proud of it. Yeah, cause cause he's just just like, a lawman. Look at all these He was a right lawman. He was on the right side. Of, yeah, right, Exactly. Yeah. And then it's like, well, which one is the real villain? Like which one is the one that's capable of like the truest of evils? The one that does evil just to get by or the one that does evil because they're powerful enough to get away with it? And
1: yeah, he's not a true lawman as we would understand it now in that he's not enforcing the laws of, you know, the, the country or the state or anything. He's enforcing order on his
0: town, you yeah, know yeah. his town yeah he Indiana says Berry, that line like, he's like you get people like this in Cheyenne and blah blah blah, blah but not, but not in Big not Whiskey, big whiskey. Yet. it's very Walking dead. Of, it's very important too to mm-hmm. notice that both of them are very bad at settling into their new lives yeah but, uh, William Money is very bad at being a pig farmer <laughs> and Little Bill is not a good carpenter at not building at this all. house
1: it's very bad that scene where it's raining and there's just water flooding That's in and all the pots it's, and it's so great good, yeah. <laughs> and, and Beauchamp's good the writer's like oh man you better hang that carpenter. He goes, what the fuck? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> um, Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Good music. Which it's surprising that the music is so tame being that it's ba- it's so much inspired by the spaghetti westerns where the music is so experimental mm-hmm. and over the top. The music is very tame and classical in, a, in very much like the rest of Clint Eastwood's movies. There are echoes of Ennio
0: in this. A little bit, a little bit. Like there are reverbs, like uh, yeah. like there's like these small vibrations of neo. Like, uh, but like it's it's definitely way more. It's much safer. Yeah, you know, that's when, a perfect. Like, word. Especially like going, like thinking about like any of the scores on
1: like Flags of Our Fathers or like um, American Sniper. It's just like it's just kind of like a s- swelling, you know, patriotic. I still haven't sort of...
0: seen American Sniper. Yeah, not... It doesn't look like it interests me at
1: all. Uh, I don't need that shit.
0: Yeah. Get off my lawn. I mean, it's,
1: it's as much propaganda as any other like war movie, but I guess we yeah. made it, so it's
0: nice. <laughs> propaganda of any kind isn't really all my bag. Yeah. You can go ahead and make it. That's fine. Some people like it. I'm not... A, um, yeah, here come the letters. You got anything else you want to drop about this real quick? Uh, we, we should be uh, coming to the end here. Uh, oh, you know, I just... It is it is interesting
1: that even... You brought it up, It Clint is still... Godlike in all of these movies. He's flawed as a man the most in this movie. Mm-hmm. But even at the end when the kid is having a breakdown over killing somebody, Clint has killed somebody in a really terrible fashion before that. When they shoot slim and he's bleeding out to death and like you know clint just grits his teeth and says like well someone get this guy some
0: damn water yeah you know i'm just doing my job up here like right i don't want to be doing this either i just w- when yeah. i'm in this mess the only way to get myself out right now is just to fucking kill these two guys so i can go home yeah but he's still like you know the kid is still is a
1: human he is very shattered by this whereas clint is is supernatural in his ability to just disassociate and be like you know, this is, this is what I do. Yeah, it sucks to kill somebody. Yeah, I'm glad you learned that now, kid. You know, mm-hmm. he's, just, even, he's just, he's always above. So
0: much from his, even with all of his, like, his break between when he was doing all these things mm-hmm. and now, he still finds it as easy yeah. as ever. He's just not as, like, tactful, you know? He's just yeah. not as able to, like, really be able to, uh. Just, like, execute it immediately. Like, he yes, misses a couple he's, times. He's not used to the rifle. He
1: maybe wasn't as good then anyway. He had a whole gang, you know, and he's maybe, telling stories like we as much it was as anybody else. Yeah. It's
0: very true. Although, I think he feels pretty fucking beat up about it. Yeah, I mean, well, he shot... snake eyes and... Yeah, right. Worms in their face. You do
1: get the break in his, in his facade a couple times when he's close to death. Mm-hmm. But it comes back. Like, he still has supernatural uh, composure and, like... Um, uh, Constitution mm-hmm. About it all And then right. he's able To just put his Put his like His blank face on And be like This is what I have
0: to do And you know uh, Maybe some people End up dead Yeah You know It's uh, I mean that's That's Clint's Entire character really. Right Like his His persona On screen So to it speak is. It's yeah. like That Above everything There might be It might be Just as much Like what we As an audience Member Who knows Who Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. Is bring to the screen As much as anybody That's putting anything On the screen you That's know? why he's iconic Yeah Yeah it's a a hell of a set of movies yeah you know and it's a lot of fun to kind of watch them so close together because even though they aren't really connected in any real tangible way there is this really interesting like like connection theme that kind of rides throughout them as he gets older. And as Clint Eastwood also grows into different versions of his career, you know, I think it's super important that it's like these three movies were the ones that started his career off Mm -hmm. before this. He was not really in that much. Yeah, He was in Rawhide mainly. That's what he was known for in like an episode of the twilight zone and Maverick. But this was like what solidified him as an American icon. And then unforgiven is what solidified him as an American director. Yeah. You know, this is like, And it's him going back and writing a love letter to it and being like, this is what I think about who I am and what I stand for. I got here with this, but I don't necessarily
1: feel like everything was great about it.
0: Right. It's it's as much a nail in the coffin of the Clint Eastwood Westerns as it is a love letter for the time that he learned there. I mean, the movie itself is, uh, you know, dedicated to Sergio and Don, which is Don Siegel who did the Dirty Harry movies with him and Sergio Leone. Yeah. It's a
1: good movie. Yeah.
0: well, thanks, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, we're going to gonna, get this one in the books. Yeah. We're going to have to get together again and do that uh, City Slickers podcast. Yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. Those are fun movies. Ben and Jerry is in the, are in the first one. The the ice cream people? Yeah. Wow. I They're bet. in it. The, okay. It's them. Credits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the people that are on the carton, because those not are two good looking okay. people. Oh, but okay. these are like the real ones. Because, you know, if they were on the carton, could you eat? I don't know I've never seen them I... it's a joke from the movie I'm doing, oh, okay. yeah, I'm doing like a bit with you oh uh, well see <laughs> I wasn't aware of it alright well I got you to watch these ones so then I'll get you to watch City Slickers okay good. sounds great uh, thank you so much for joining me Tim thank you for having hand me handshake so, on, hand on the mic yeah. good audio and cheers to you this was uh, pretty pretty damn good mm. and um, don't have to give you any of the plugs because we did it right in the middle but uh, I'll give you one more again storyscreenbeacon.com. go over there Check it out. We got a lot, a lot of really, really great stuff in our podcast. We have a bunch of really cool episodes. Like there was a Mamma Mia episode I just recorded with Rhea. And we also have a Mission Impossible Fallout hot take because that film was just released a couple weeks ago. A uh, lot of really, really fun stuff. We also have our uh, Quentin Tarantino podcast coming on up. It's got, about to drop I soon. I know why you're doing that. You got to you gotta put in these in between them.
1: What's that? You got to get the Western influence because you're doing oh, this Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, hey,
0: there's a method <laughs> yeah, to all see, of this. Come yeah. on now. And Tim, maybe hopefully we can get you into town to be on one of the Tarantino ones. uh, Yeah, maybe get you back in there for one of the westerns like Django, Kill Bill two. Even yeah, my fave All right, right. then that's a done deal. Okay, all right, guys. uh, Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will catch you later. Bye. Can't even remember what it is now. I, I'm, th- I'm thinking of like ah. <laughs> We're gonna just cut an immigrant song at the end. Yeah. Wow. Just no. Really... Wait. What is it like? Ah. Is it no? What is it? Don't make me do it. No. How does it go? No. Seriously. No, I need. This is I need you extra. To, this No. No. no extra. I need you to do, do it this. very, very specifically so that I can do it because I can't remember it now. It got bumped out of my head. Ah oh that's it yeah it's yeah. like wow, wah, wah yeah it's like ah, yeah,
1: yours is way better than
0: mine yeah 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 what's yours again
1: Ah, ah. Yeah, wah. give wah. it a little bit of like wonk in there I can't I'm too shy ah. see that's good I'll see no you, you beat me on this one give me one more <laughs> come on give me one more <laughs> Ah. Actually, it's good it sounds right, great right, yeah